Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. we come back after another unpredictable round in the 2018 season and what's seemed so clear cut before a ball was kicked Brock has not been so as it has been so far in 20, uh, 2018 no it hasn't it's uh, been very unpredictable but the first month of the competition is always like that it's unpredictable so I expect things to sort of level out I suppose in the next month um, as we head into origin and things start to normalise a little bit I guess yeah, well, I think uh, there's definitely been a few surprises, but usually it's for a week or two and not to the level that we've seen so far. But if you would have told me the Warriors would have been playing the way that they are, that the Tigers would be as resilient as they are given the roster they've got and even the Dragons, I thought they'd be in the top eight, but not to the level that they are so far and what they're pushing for. But a uh, crazy start to the 2018 season and we'll kick things off as we always do with our set of six. Some things we want to talk about and tackle one in that set of six is the referees. We touched on this point last week. A lot of people obviously very, very angry after Friday night. Uh, to be honest, my point of view hasn't changed. I still have no problem with what the referees are doing. I'm happy for them to stick to their guns. I go back to exactly what I said last week and I'm sick of hearing all these ex-players and especially the people on Channel 9. You're trying to get people in. You want people watching the game. You want TV ratings, and all they're doing is bashing the refs and basically telling people to turn their TVs off. How about the players take some responsibility for their actions? Play the ball properly, be on side, get out of the ruck. It's not that hard. And from the first game to the last one of the round, the Storm Sharks one, which we attended, and it was a disgraceful game of football, and I blame the players for all the niggle and the crap compared to Tigers Parramatta when there was only 11 penalties. I, the one on Friday night was over-refereed. That I, I support the referees. Uh, in what they're doing, and I, I do, I believe the players and the coaches are to blame, but there needs to be some sense of appropriateness um, and respect for the flow of the game. Cameron Smith sort of made the perfect argument on Friday night in that you know they penalised Ryan Hoffman for being offside, who was on, I think, uh, from memory, the left edge, and the play went to the right edge, and they had a discussion and check and sort of said to him, well... Him coming off the line offside, you know, prevents them from going that way and keeps the play from being in the middle, which I, I sort of understand, but they need to understand that 33 penalties is just kills the game as a spectacle. So I think they need to find the balance. Like for me, 33 is just way too many, way too many. It tells me that they're looking for penalties. So I think they've got to find a balance. For the majority of the games on the weekend, I didn't think the referees had a massive impact. No. That one for me was an outlier. It's one that I walked away from thinking that that the attitude's got to be that they penalise what affects the game, not what not if they uh, sorry, 
what affects the game, not what they see on every play. So you can you can find a penalty in every play if you really, really want to. And to me, that game looked as though they were trying to find a penalty. Um, and for me, it disadvantaged the Sharks because the Sharks were trying to... Oh, I thought they were on top for the majority of that game. They were. And it was just <clears throat> stutter, 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 stutter. There was no flow in the game at all. So, And for me, it kept Melbourne in the game up until about you know uh, seven or eight minutes there before full time when we, we sort of pulled the pin. But you never, you never felt like Melbourne were even in that game. No. But Cronulla really couldn't put them away because... There was no flow. And, and look, they, there was 28 errors or something in that game as well, I think. Yeah, so it was basically 61 stoppages that were either scrums or set starts. So it just killed killed the game as a spectacle. The, the referees were half to blame for that. The players were the other half. That's the only game I've walked away from thinking it's gone too far. The that's, refereeing's gone too far. So that's, I, I, think, I think people to jump up and down, that, if that was every game, then I think we've got cause for concern. That, that game, I think, was a little bit of an outlier. I thought Matt Checken went a little bit too far. Um, for me, the penalties need to be blown if it impacts the play directly. If it doesn't, warn them on the run, and then if they repeatedly do it, penalise them, and the next step's got to be that you start sin-binning people. Well, I was going to go further, because to be honest, honestly, the other night, I thought they didn't stop pressing. They kept pushing being offside. They kept getting grabby in the ruck, and a couple of Melbourne blokes have been well, pinned for grapple tackles. I had no problem if they would have been more people, to be honest. Yeah. And I'm going to throw it out there. They're my own team, and we say this all the time on the show. There's no bias here. If teams that like to bend the rules or find ways around things, Melbourne have been one of the best. And with some of the changes that have been put in place... They need to clean things up a little bit. And the Sharks are not guilty themselves. They're typically an ill-disciplined team and one that like to push the boundaries. And I think you couldn't have had two worse teams play given the crackdowns that are going on right now. But they're two that have to change their ways. And yeah. I'm, I'm with you. That was the only one of the round that I looked at and thought that was an outlier. But I blame the teams and I blame the players. Uh, and for the most part, everyone that's still jumping up and down and all these ex-players that are beating it up, I think they're kidding themselves, to be honest. I really enjoyed the round again. I thought there's a lot of teams that played some decent football, the Dragons the Warriors, etc. And I think that some teams and some coaches, again, just need to have a look in the mirror. So uh, I don't have a problem with it because a lot of people are still bringing that up going, oh, you're sick of it yet. I'm not sick of it. Follow no. the rules. It's not hard. Just follow the rules. Tackle two, uh, the Eels. 0-4, absolutely terrible. And now you have things coming out, apparently, about Nathan Brown, Michael Jennings, and Corey Norman being on the drink after their loss last week. and Buzz Rothfield said that, yeah? Yeah. I'm, again, I'm not going to read a whole lot into it because it's come out, but it's supposedly been confirmed by the venue owner that they were a bit obnoxious and drunk and all this. The more disappointing part about this, it's not a play behaviour thing and all these other people go, oh, you're wrong, mm-hmm. rah, rah. you can go out, be human beings, have dinner, etc. It's more a sad thing from a rugby league point of view or from you know if you're a player in the same team or you're a coach that players, when they're 0-3, they're on big money, instead of knuckling down, doing the hard work, doing extra video, doing extras at training, looking and seeing what's going on, uh, they're happy to go out on the drink after. This is a team that should have probably pushed close to the grand final last year, given the run to the finals they had. Yeah, but again, We've come into this year. season and you know, plenty of expectations and they haven't delivered. So the last thing you want to be hearing, especially if you're a Parramatta fan out there, or if you're Brad Arthur, is that some of your key players are out on the piss after you've lost your first yeah, three games. were they out there blind drunk or were they out there having dinner and a couple of beers? Like, I, for me, they they do way too much, well, not way too much training, but they do more than enough training, these players. So, for me, Parramatta's issues lay in the fact that they can't go forward, uh, their discipline's not great, and their halves aren't getting any room to sort of do anything, to be fair. Like, I, I think it's as simple as that. I, I think... 
you know, if they were two and two, would we would we be hearing about these issues? I don't think so. So I think it's more these stories fly out of the sky when teams aren't going well. So I guess if you're going to go out and get on the piss, you should do it out of the public spotlight. That would be my best advice. But I certainly don't think that them going out and having a few beers and some dinner is going to is the reason why they're playing the way they are or they're getting the results that they are. So I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, but if I'm a Parramatta fan, I'd, I probably wouldn't be overly happy happy nah, with it. But, but you also need to understand that the venues complain, um, or the owners have complained. They want them to move on. That's my issue. It's not okay. the fact they've gone out for dinner but and had a couple of drinks because they're drunk, or because. Well, so what? What's the allegation? Just their behaviour was obscene out in public. They're obnoxious. They were loud. They were swearing, etc. And people around them that they wanted them out of the venue. Okay, so, so why why haven't they been breached or fined or? Apparently okay. the, the club knows about it. So for me, yeah, like the, that's yeah, it's a bit of a weak allegation for me, and you know, it's one of those stories I, I don't think makes the papers or makes headlines unless the team's struggling. So if Parramatta are four and zip, you wouldn't hear about it. So for me, it's not smart from the players, and by no means yeah. am I defending the players, but I'm I just think it. I just think it's uh, it's a bit of a beat up. Given the circumstances, not the best. Uh, it's going to take a fair bit to turn it around. They weren't too much better yesterday than they have been the first three yeah, weeks. But the, the issues hasn't changed in four weeks. No. Like it's clear what the issues are. So for me, it's not the fact that they're going out and getting on the piss. No, from a fan perspective, or like I said, if you're the coach and yeah. something like this gets leaked, you're still not happy about hearing that. You know, this is something that's been caught out there. It's the last thing you need when you're already going bad. Uh, number three, the Raiders. They're another one. Zero and four. Three close games. Poor again on the weekend. Ricky Stewart, I must give him applause finally instead of trying to find excuses, blame the refs, using everything like he has as far as I'm concerned the last two years has taken aim at the players. And there's been a reaction this week with some changes to the lineup. Uh, he's actually dropped Josh Papali. I didn't think that he was one of the worst players, to be honest. And Austin looks like he's not back on the squad. There may be a late change for Sam Williams who didn't have a great weekend defensively, but... The attitude there needs to change. I'm glad that he finally took aim. But the sad thing to hear, and this is probably something you pick up from the club itself, is that there's seven players that are off contract. They're in talks with a lot of these players. And most of these guys just want to get paid more money and aren't really acknowledging the club. So it's not really looking like a great situation. Like to start 0-4, things not exactly going the way you want. Their attitude doesn't seem great. And then you've got a lot of blokes that seem that they've already checked out and they're talking to Sydney clubs and looking to exit. It's not looking too bright for the Raiders. And then this morning, Jack Whiten, it comes out that he's had an off-field incident in the off-season where he's been involved in a fight. Uh, the integrity unit's known they've been waiting for something to happen with the police, but he's potentially going to be in trouble as well. Yeah, again, it comes out when the when a side's struggling. Yeah, things aren't good at Canberra. Well, this uh, was always going to come out, but that to wait I get for the that. police to register. I get that, but again, fun. there's going to be more read into it because they're going so poorly. For me, they should be 3-1. and one. Like They should have won at least two of their first three games. So they should be sitting at least two and two. The fact is they're not. And why why aren't they? We can point the finger in a lot of different areas. For me, like I don't know whether I don't know whether to really point the finger at Ricky Stewart. Like could they be better coached? I, I don't know. Like as a coach, what what more can you do well, than defensively, get your team? I think they could be. Yeah, but that's been an issue for the last couple of years. You know that's the way they defend. So Oh, it's it's a difficult one. I, in the end, you've got to own your results, and they're on four, like yeah. Parramatta. So the results are what they are. Um, they've got to take accountability for that. Who's to blame? Everyone's got to take some accountability. I, I don't know how they get out of it apart from win. Like they've got the Bulldogs this week at home, 
it's a game they must win. Like they go zero and five, you can almost kiss your season goodbye. I've said this before, and you don't have to necessarily agree. And a lot of people may not uh, agree, but I think it's kind of a two-way issue. I feel that some people were prior to Canberra getting the position they were now, they could never get players in, and anyone was there used to basically exploit their club to either get paid well or take off to a different club. Then they kind of had him come in, get rid of some of the older Deadwood guys that they'd kept around for a long time because they couldn't seem to get played. They got Austin on the cheap. They hit a home run when they got Hodgson in for cheap. They got Leilua on his lifeline after he got fired from another club. Rapana coming back. All of a sudden, they have this half-decent team, and then they have a couple of juniors come into it. Now it seems like that cycle's gone back around again where they've been enabled. He's told them, like I said last year, when the discipline things went off the rails, it's not you, everyone's against us, you know, everyone down here. The refereeing side of things, blame culture, and now it seems like it's gone back the, uh, the full cycle again where blokes are there to get paid and a couple of guys might be pushing on to Sydney. So I think it's a little bit two-way, but I also feel this from looking at it. They've never had a genuine leader, like somebody week in, week out here looking at Canberra who's closing out games, who's just a rock for that team. And even right now, I still don't see that. And even like, their captain in Jared Croker, good footballer. Well, they're missing their best player. Yes, well. but at the same time, like he's a centre. Uh, he's not the best defender in the world. He's not a game changer. He's not there week in, week out. He has, he's not a heartbeat. They haven't had somebody like that for a long period of time. And even before that, the, the bloke that did it was Alan Tung. And he was a small 13 who... You know, he, he was on the grind every week, but they don't have a dominant spine player. And I, I get you what you're saying with Hodgson. He's probably that guy as well. He's their best player. And he's, he's injured right now. Their but best player, so. it didn't make a difference last year either when he was there, even though I thought he didn't have his best year. So. Yeah, but they were pretty close to making the finals last year. So he's a key ingredient. You can't ignore that fact. Um, he probably, for me, would have got him, got him over the line in at least one or two of those games. So... You don't know whether it's bad luck or whether it's going to be something that lingers for the whole season. Like, if they lose consistently, lose close games like they are over a long period of time, then you you have to draw something into it. You, there's no other way around it. Like, there's obviously a reason for it, but well, it's not good. at the moment, it's not good. Um, when you hear people like... But I thought they were okay on the weekend. They just It was a 20-minute patch there where they just leaked like a sieve. Like, Manly ran all over them. But for the rest of the game, I don't know whether it's manly clocked off a little bit and the game sort of went to went to shit. Uh, you know, the standard of the game fell away. But I don't know. I, it's it's a really really tough one. I watch Canberra and I think there's so much potential there, but re- they've been very very underwhelming. I'm not sure whether it's the smartest thing for Stewart to come out publicly and call his players soft and go after them because in the end you're you're accountable for their physicality and their the attitude they bring on the field well, as also, a coach. So. He, he said that he wouldn't make changes. He'd make these guys dig their way out of it. Yeah. And then Josh he has Papali gone and made changes. So and, uh, did know. he get dropped or is he out because of injury? No, he's been dropped. He's named in the 21, but he's wearing 21. So okay. could he pull a late Swifty? Most likely he could possibly do that. But there was talk that they're angry because they're trying to talk with him and hit the South Sydney are keen on him because they've lost Crichton. They're well, also not really a good way to keep him, Felice, and then you've got Paulo, who they've opened dialogue with, but he's talking to Sydney club, so apparently that you know he was benched last week. I don't read too much into that, but if that's why you're going to handle negotiations when players are out there talking to other clubs, which they're free to do when they're off contract, mm. and as mm. anyone will do because it is a business on both sides. It seems to me like Ricky, Ricky Stewart has short lifespans at clubs. He comes in and usually gets the best quickly, yeah. but it falls away. So, I, anyhow, I, I don't want to know because I've never seen the, seen the black coach, but you can only you can only deal off his record and that's sort of what his record indicates, isn't it? That he gets yeah. success early. A couple of years, but he wears on people, of years, I the think. Players, the Intense. players sort of switch off and the intensity, yeah, 
I guess you've got to have another gear, you've got to have another strategy, don't you? So yeah. it's that sort of time for for Ricky. He's got to pray that Josh Hodgson is back ASAP. You know, I know that's not in the distant or the near future, but it's in the distant future. So even even it's just killing them from it, a key position standpoint. They've, they've got good forwards, but they just they've got no one in and around the ruck that can create. But even take that away from it, you're in a bad situation when both your halves are off contract and playing poor football and unlikely to be there. They're unlikely to be able to attract anyone decent on the market. I can't believe how your key number nine is injured. Um, you know, and then you've traded in for a guy like Hingano, who who I do like, but using him as a hooker, he's a young halfback, he's 19. There's talk now they're after Robbie Farris still and Jackson Hastings, like things that just aren't going to fix the problem. Um, I think it could all fall apart in a short space of time if a few of these bigger names walk out the door and two halves that a couple of years ago you thought were going to be guiding you forward or also gone because of poor play, but also they don't want to beat the club. They well, they've got they three. They've got three, and there's no clear two, is there? No. Out of out of Austin, Caesar, and Williams, no one's really sticking their hand up and saying this is my position, this yep. is my team, and, and that's been the issue probably since uh, the the really really good season that they had. Um, you know, when they were defeated by Melbourne in a game that they could have easily won and played in a grand final. Edric Lee dropped three tries. Yeah, so since so. since then, it's just been a really really difficult situation because their key players haven't performed. We we said that all last year. You know, I, I thought their forward pack was pretty good last year, but. This year it seems as though a little bit of deer in the headlights, um, a little bit that they just can't find anyone to take a game by the scruff of the neck and get a result for them. Well, like I said, out of the key positions, they don't have it. And now the sadder thing to bring it forward. And then you've got Jack White now who's in the shit. He, so you've got probably... your halves and your, hooker, your hookers out. You've got no real clear standout in the halves. And then now your, your fullback's well, in the shit. Your fullback's probably the only one who's really playing well out of your whole spine. Yeah. And he's now possibly going to be in trouble depending on what comes down from this. Now the police are finally you know acting on what's happened. So, uh, yeah, we've spent probably more interesting time on times, this than we uh, want. But... Interesting, yeah, interesting times ahead, definitely for yeah. Canberra. What seemed basically to sum things up was building nicely, players locked in long-term and all these things heading the right direction now seems like it could collapse in the space of 12 months, yeah. which is pretty scary. It's a very, very, very interesting month for Parramatta and Canberra, I think yep. we can say confidently. 100%. One that will be a quicker tackle, number four, Manly. Um, after listening to what they had to say, because it wasn't so much clear about the cap situation, I am a little bit more bothered this week about it than I was last week. I think it's still been handled poorly. Uh, the allegations to Fulton and other people they've insinuated who they didn't even interview, how they didn't interview Jeff Tuvey and other people. I don't. Yeah, the NRL has made a complete mess of it. But I am a little bothered again that if they had 15 players or 13 players that they got to keep during that time, $1.5 million over the space of five years, if that's not systematic cheating, well, then I don't know what is, but... Uh, you know, full credit to them is in the way that they've handled it this week. Um, to who? Manly? As far as the way they've Well, they got away fucking scot-free. They should be wrapped in the way that... Uh, the oh, punishment they... they should apparently, be they, they were unhappy with the treatment that they well, got. Well, they're appealing. But when you, when you compare what they've done to Parramatta, uh, you compare what they've done to the Bulldogs and to Melbourne, okay, it's not on the same sort of scale as Melbourne and... Canterbury in the fact that it's not you know Melbourne's more money in a short space of time yeah but still stops to me I'm not sure what the difference is between Parramatta and and uh, and Manly well you're basically saying that they cost you guys Cherry Evans and they pay so what 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 do we get for that what do that what do we get for that we get nothing for that Walker and there's former players again who weren't named so you'd have to assume it's over the last five years Stewart's Maddowes guys like that that didn't leave would have got got more money. Who, well, who, Dylan Walker again. The, the, the saying that there's some. Well, we didn't get Dylan no. Walker. 
So I that's know, what I mean. Clubs but that by, but this Walker is the when point: got him. is that other clubs are disadvantaged by what Manly does. Yeah. You can't just look at it as though, okay, Manly did this. It's the impact that it has on other teams, like the Titans, who missed out on Cherry Evans and while they're systematically cheating. A week later, this probably sounds salty because last week I said I'm just glad it was over. But the fact this is half the problem again: the details and the NRL and the handling of it. Well, don't come out and say it's like, thorough. We didn't we didn't have any information to go off. You basically, oh, we have this, we have that. I heard nothing. I just want it to be over. But now some details have actually come out. It's thorough. But a guy you've thrown under the bus in Bob Fulton, you've yeah. come out and basically you didn't interview him. Nah. You didn't interview the coach. Jeff Chuvy. Uh, oh, come like, on, man. Piss poorly handled. And then to hear the details of it and then hear the fine. Like, as a Melbourne person, it may sound salty, but ours was, say, $3 million over a couple of years. The difference here is, and it's my sticking point, and people may disagree, but the only reason I think everyone hates Melbourne so much more is because they won during that time. They won premierships. It is a black mark on the game. It was bulk money. But, you know, $1.5 million over five years and denying 15 other players a chance that it could have gone elsewhere or other clubs get them. I do have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, and, and okay, anyway. so they don't lose points either because none of those, they're, they're cap compliant this they're, year. Yeah, they're fine. So now. what, are you going to go back and take points off them for the last five years? No. And again. So they never even lost a point. And the funny thing is to say... So what the, sort of fucking deterrent is that for the rest of the clubs? If I'm another club, I'm going, okay, so if we get caught, and that's a big if, yeah. if we get caught... This is it. That That's all it is. That's yeah. all that happens. So how the hell... Are you ever, 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 ever going to gain control of your salary cap and ever going to make third parties yeah. uh, people accountable for third parties? I it's an absolute joke. Disappointed, again, that all this comes out now. And I don't give a shit if it's Manly or it's Ty. No. I don't care who it is. I, I, part of me feels as though all teams are doing it to some degree. Yeah, 100%. Right? So the, the bias bullshit, I don't want to hear anything about that. It, it, I don't care who it is. But the fact that the, the salary cap is not more transparent and TPAs just get thrown out the window because they are the biggest crock of shit in the game mm-hmm. annoys me. Everyone should be playing on exactly the same wicket and if they're not, tell us. Tell us how much more Brisbane are above Canterbury yeah. or Canterbury are above Manly the or Roosters, Manly are above... What Exactly. Yeah. Be transparent. At the moment, it is Mickey Mouse and the fans don't buy it. The people that listen to this show, you guys don't buy it. We don't buy it, but they treat us like fools. And a slap on the wrist like this to Manly just exacerbates that and highlights the fact that the NRL's just got their head in the sand over salary cap management. And the only way that they've got to manage it is someone whistleblows, basically, or dobs on. It's yeah. it's the dobbing culture. And it's and five or how often six, are you going to get that? Five or six teams in a short space of time shows that they're not being discouraged from doing it. They're so not. Now that the details have actually come out, like I said, a week difference... Uh, a week is a long time, but now some details came out. I was pretty you know, poor Trent Barrett's on there. Oh, so. you know, we're, we're going to have to tap someone on the shoulder for next year. Yeah, well, oh, well, bad luck. Better, or, That's right. Like you said, and cut. I, look, I don't think Trent Barrett's that. The fact that the NRL warned Trent Barrett, they warned That's Trent the Barrett. Jeff Tugu was there for a longer time. Three part years or four years gone yeah. when Barrett but came in on it. Jeff like, Tuvey was on. there for longer, and even for Jeff Tuvey, like he said, he wasn't really involved. So I'm looking at all the people that were involved in the club. You need to understand the, the management of the cap better. Well, hang on a minute. If that's not a part of Trent Barrett's job description, then stick it up your ass in NRL. Exactly. And then the other who are they point, to tell him? How can you not wait another week or two to involve the man who supposedly dealt with half the contracts in Bob Fulton and make time to make sure that he was back from Hawaii to talk to him, which they didn't, and then they've smeared the name. And then on the flip side of that, again, you've got... And he's got, immortal. In a week that they... Um, how yeah, to look at bring up the you know, concepts and all the, these the kind of bits and pieces and they just know how to shoot and then like I said Jeff Tuvey Jeff Tuvey's never been contacted but he spent three years there and even if he didn't have any involvement just something like be more thorough in the whole process yeah. so 
Uh, rough week for them. Good result, and then it ended on a bad note again. Now losing Siren Tanganoa and Tom Trowbridge for a couple of weeks. But those two guys for the season, as we talk about the salary cap, and they're basically restricted to buy anyone else this year. So they may feel the pinch a little bit now, man. Yeah. Uh, tackle five. This one, well, I said the last one was going to be quick. This one will be quick. Probably just more a sour point for me that four rounds in, how many season-ending injuries we've had. Tau Moga, third time he's done his ACL, the poor bastard. First run he had of the game and score on that try. McLean goes up the North Queensland. That list Frank fracture in the foot. People say three months. Uh, it can be 20 weeks or more, depending on how it heals. So possibly gone. Sirenen, who I just mentioned, Tanganoa. Cleary's injury, obviously, last week. Finucane's broke his thumb. Tafua's collarbone. Javojevic misses a couple of weeks. We've been missing Felice Kafusi. Adam Reynolds, Sean Johnson missing the week. And there's a lot of guys that are injured early on. Yeah. And there's a lot of season-ending injuries early on, which is always disappointing. So It um, is, but... How do you avoid it? Like, you can't. It's just, yeah. it's, it is the way the sport is. It's more physical. It's better than it's ever been every single year. Players get fitter, faster, stronger. And this is my kind of argument when people whinge about one game and penalties and all oh, the, the footy's so bad. I think the footy's been great this year. I really do. Yeah. I think I think it's starting to have that cycle where heading back the other way. But it's just always disappointing to see blokes go down so early in the season who are high-end players. Um, and hopefully their shoes can be filled. And the last tackle I've got here, basically... What I started off with, it is early in the year, and I'm not saying that things won't change because I'm sure they will. But what seems so clear in the storm, the Roosters and the Cowboys being the clear-cut favourites has been far from. Um, and it's I don't think it's in the usual circumstances that it is that they're close losses or they're a little bit clunky. I think Melbourne legitimately have showed that they have some holes in their game. I think the Cowboys have legitimately showed that they've got some issues that need to be worked out. And um, teams like the Warriors, who most people root off, and we said we'd leave them out of the finals but wouldn't be surprised if things went really, really well now that Blake Green's gone there. They've massively exceeded expectations. The Tigers under Cleary, same deal. I put my hand up. I said they'd get the spoon, but mentioned that with Ivan Cleary there, nothing would surprise me, and they're 3-1. Um, even your mob, the Titans, they're 2-2. They're two two. It's been a bit patchy so far, but they've at least showed some effort. Um, Manly, regardless of what's happened so far, winning a couple of games. And then you've got Para who are another one that everyone's kind of tipped up to be one of these big favourites, and they're 0-4. So uh, to me... Just craziness. The only clear, the only thing that I I know so far, the dragons is that the dragons are going to be a, a, a top four side, or if not a top four side, very close to it. That's probably the only thing that I will confidently say about all sixteen teams. To be fair, I think the only um, thing that hurts them is they may have a very heavy Origin representation this year. If things worked out the way you'd expect, it'd be Frizzell, Ben Hunt. And DeBellin at the minimum, possibly Vaughny. Not 100% sure if that will happen. And there's probably a couple other guys in there uh, off the top of my head that I may be forgetting. But there's at least three guys there that are probably going to play Origin. And they don't use their bench a lot, which is what I said before the season. They lost some forward depth. So they don't rely on Saleh, Lattimore, and Leilua for big minutes. They mainly rotate those guys and Vaughny on a few extra times with their interchanges, like Manly were doing with Tanganoa and Lane instead of using yeah. depth. So that's about the only thing I think could hinder their season. But... Um, it has been a weirder start than ever before, I think, which is nice because a lot of people walked into this season, uh, ourselves oh, probably included, nice to be, looking at the top three thinking, well, Christ, good luck chasing those three. It's so. nice for it to be unpredictable. I, I like it. Very much so. And jumping into the power rankings now, who's your number one this week? I've got the Dragons at number one. I've also got the Dragons. I think it's pretty clear cut that they've got almost every facet uh, of the park covered right now. They've got good yardage. They've got guys that can finish. They can play football both sides. The halves are linking very well. Say it every week, but the one and nine are growing, especially the one mixing with the halves, and they've got a great forward pack. So, yep. uh, number two. 
The Warriors. I've also got the Warriors, and how, how could you not? I Honestly, I almost put them as my number one from the four games I've seen between the two sides so far, and then the win they got on the weekend without Johnson, without Garvo. Uh, you could sit here and have a debate about it, I reckon, but those two have been four the, the yeah, clear-cut team. I'm yeah, just going off what I've seen at the moment. Number three. The Storm. All righty, well, why is that? Why? I just... Think they can turn it around as they're one of those teams that are just very yeah, consistent. I thought, and... I thought they were clunky on Friday night and the refereeing didn't help them. They travelled to the Bermuda Triangle and things all seemed out of whack. But I just look at their roster. I think Brody Croft is going to get better. They're a work in progress. This is as poorly as they're going to play. They only see improvement in in the storm. Well, I've pushed Penrith up to three because after Cleary, I said it last week, I'd leave them at six and I wasn't too sure what I'd get, but... I got what I wanted finally out of that forward pack. Kikau started. He was outstanding. Fisher-Harris played tight. I said he wasn't an edge. He absolutely relished playing in the middle. And there was aggressiveness. There was intent. There was push. There was offloads. All the things we hadn't seen for the last 18 months or so that we should have. So I hope it continues. But uh, Maloney as well seemed to just sit much better now being the dominant half. And I think that'll be better for Penrith in the long run that he settles into that team a little bit more so now. Because yeah. Nathan's obviously already familiar with the team. Working in with Nathan would have been hard seeing he was the dominant number seven. But I think this just accelerates James Maloney's link or bond with the team now that he's in control, maybe for the next you know eight to ten weeks. Yeah. Uh, your number four. Got the Roosters, similar reasons to Melbourne. I think this is as poorly as you're going to see them play. They're going to be a work in progress, and by the end of the year, they're going to be you know genuine premiership threat, which is what we expected. I just think they're both going to take time. They've got new combinations. And to me, a few of the Roosters don't look as though they're fit. Boy Cordner in particular doesn't doesn't look like he's fit. World Cup has an impact on some teams. Huge impact. Pre-season fitness. And some guys aren't healthy either. That's another thing that's kind of hard to take. They haven't had a lot of turnaround time. So uh, apparently he got a needle in the shoulder on the weekend. Well, there you, it, so it he's, he's like already it. come into the season half-busted because he's just basically played the whole way through. So yeah, um, I had the Roosters at four for the same reasons. I know the week before they were good, but... This week, I felt the halves have struggled. I thought Tedesco, though, had one of his better games because it looked more like when he played for the Tigers. He was doing things off his own bat or creating something out of nothing. Um, but, yeah, they've got some combinations to work out. There's some things they've got to, they've got to do, uh, obviously, to kind of iron out those clunks. And I think the forward pack's still a little bit how you're going and being hot and cold. But number five. Uh, the Sharks, they beat... Um, well, they've beaten two pretty good opposition in the last two weeks. You know, Parramatta uh, obviously aren't playing the best, but... They're a highly touted team. They then go travel to home and beat Melbourne. They should have beaten St George the week before um, in round two. So for me, their form is pretty good. The Sharks, I've, I've got them just ahead of uh, another team who you've already mentioned. So Yep. Well, I've left Melbourne at five. I've pushed them down to five, but similar reasons to the Roosters. I think there's some things to be ironed out. My big issue with Croft, I'm confident in Croft, and I thought they were. It seemed on the weekend almost like they isolated him or they've changed the plan to kind of cut him out a little bit. And whether that's just my eyes tricking me or not, but it didn't seem as though he was the dominant man or getting enough ball the other night. Um I don't know if, yeah, that's by design. No, well, we watched it live. So, plan, but it, yeah. it honestly looked like they were avoiding going to the right edge. And mm. a lot of our better strike weapons are on the right edge. So, um, yeah, I hope they haven't lost confidence in him. And if they have, or they feel he needs to go back and play some cup, that Jax comes back in. You can't just keep lingering along and making Munster the first priority because he's not even a natural ball player. He's a ball runner. Yeah. Uh, number six. The Panthers. Yeah, I like what I saw from them, but I just question the Cowboys, really. Oh. Um, I, I don't like the fact that Nathan Cleary is out. I think it's going to hurt eventually. But James Maloney had an exceptional game. He yep. was he was tremendous. So 
uh, full credit to Penrith and um, I've got them at six and they've really, really impressed me Yep. so far this year. Well, my six is the Tigers and last week they're at seven and they've only come up one spot, but they've just been so tough. They're so consistent. May the wheels fall off at some point. It's very possible, but the halves have been absolutely brilliant. I think Brooks under Cleary, um, I said before, I had him and Moses, I preferred him. I think he's now got the right coach, and I think for the first time he's actually got a half-decent forward pack and a steady house partner who's letting him do his job. His kicking game's been great. Benji's been great. Uh, just Ivan Cleary, well done. Outstanding. Well, the only reason I can see the wheels falling off is Depth, some injuries. Injuries, yeah. and yeah. So Number seven. Uh, number seven, I've got those Tigers. Yep. All right. For similar reasons, I've... They've certainly overachieved. 100%. Well, my seven is the Sharks, and the main reason is I thought they were tough the other night. They're very gritty, and I did have them, I think, fourth in the preseason or fifth, and I think they'll be thereabouts. My big issue is just the constant chopping and changing, and after two games of those halves in Hodkinson and uh, Townsend steering things, even though it's been ugly, I think that's the way moving forward, and this week they've gone straight back to Dugan at the back, Moylan in the halves. I don't like all the constant shuffling, and I still think long-term the best spot for them to be in is Moylan at fullback, Dugan in the centres, Holmes on the wing, and just getting those two guys involved in kick return without Moylan, because obviously he doesn't do that very well. Yeah. And having Dugan, uh, sorry, Moylan more involved, obviously, during the attacking and the ball playing. But um, the constant chopping and changing, I still think they're going to be clunky for a few weeks to come. Fair point. And your number eight? Uh, my number eight, the Rabbitohs. Boom. Rabbitohs, South pushing yeah. in. South are in and, yeah. Got them just in. They weren't. They haven't been impressive in either of their two wins. But probably to, that's that's not fair. The win over Manly was good, but Manly as an opposition, you're not. I'm not overly sure on where they're going to sit just yet. I think they're probably a bottom eight side. So, uh, and I think the Bulldogs are probably a bottom eight side as well. So South to me don't really have a legitimate eye-catching win for me yet. So I've got them at eight, but. I've left the Cowboys at eight, despite the injuries Ooh. and the poor form. Uh, I thought the halves, again, were pretty ordinary. I thought the forwards got exposed again and in the outside backs, but they just look flat. There's a lot of guys I think, that are playing under where they need to be, and with that much talent in your roster, despite the injuries, if they don't turn around, they're kidding themselves. So yeah. for now, purely off what's under them, um, and obviously Manly, I thought I honestly think Manly's been better this year, and I was very tempted to have them in, but the injuries they just suffer on the weekend... Um, you know, South, like you said, I, I think their their two wins have, have been okay, and they've well, played South some okay football. Manly, but so there's no way I'm putting. Manly I'm still at fifty fifty on them as well. But yeah, I, I think the Cowboys with all that talent at some point they have to turn things around. They have to. Yeah. But there you go. Our set of six, our power rankings. Before we do the reviews of the games from the weekend, we have to thank our sponsors, and the first one being Penrith Solar Center. And obviously, we said it a million times, Brock, you've got a system, we've got a system. The old man just got one put in last week. It's just the way of the future. Power bills are only going up. Pays itself off in three to four years and then starts to help your hip pocket after that. But they say defense is the best offense. So what defense have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrose Solar Center is Western Sydney's leading solar specialists. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you and your home and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may just be the difference between good and great seats watching your team in the NRL Grand Final. Contact the team at Penrose Solar Centre today on 1800 20 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. The website is www.penrosolar.com.au. Thanks to Jake and the boys there. And Brock, I'm a tradesman. 
So, you know, you need all the good stuff and look no further than Nepean Boltmaster. Nepean Boltmaster is a complete fastening and system supplier with their main office in Penrith. And they also have another one at Castle Hill covering a massive amount of square metres and supplying throughout the state of New South Wales. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products not only in the region but throughout the state. And there's a lot more to Nepean Boltmaster, as I said, than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and all associated industries. Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. One of our specials and uh, very handy when I'm on the job. And any tradesmen out there in New South Wales, not just nuts and bolts. Get on to Woz and the boys there. And poke it likes for any people out there. Football clubs looking for fundraisers, businesses, bucks parties. They do all that stuff. But the main thing, I guess, there for a lot of people out there, if you're involved with a football club, if you need a fundraiser, look no further than Paul and Adam and the boys at Poke It Alux. Footy season is back. And if you need a fundraising idea, look no further. 10 years experience. Poke It Alux are the industry leaders in fundraising events for sporting clubs. Paul and Adam are very passionate about what they do and committed to raising much-needed funds for local sports clubs. The fundraisers they provide come with a whopping $1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum. They also provide all the equipment, hosts to run the night, and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on a committee or involved with a local footy club or any sports team, make sure you have a chat with the boys at Poker Deluxe and see how they can guarantee your club a $1,000 profit guarantee. To date, they've raised over $1.5 million to sporting clubs around Australia. So when you're thinking of a fundraiser, look no further than pokerdeluxe.com.au. And obviously the last one, the Pro Sports Syndicate, who are on board for our charity bet this year, covering that for us. Uh, and obviously our tips and betting segment. The offer and the link's been up each week. Uh, is you get your first month for half price, $99, if the tips provided from the Pro Sports Syndicate do not deliver a profit uh, margin on the tips provided, you get your next month's free box head. And obviously, it's a good uh, offer. We've been looking at what they've got so far. It's been a weird start to the year for anyone's case, but I think they're running close to evens to start with, and that's pretty good considering. And my, Considering the uh, absolute unpredictability of the comp. If you tip four this week, I think you've done good. Uh, I tip four. I think you tip four. I looked at some of our uh, tips in the what was it, we did a confidence pool and someone had one point. So yep. that means literally someone has tipped one out of eight and their allocated that points. That was, uh, was Jakey one. from Penrith Well, there you go. Poor Jakey out there from Penrith <laughs> yeah. A big thanks to all our sponsors out there. Support our sponsors if you're in New South Wales, Sydney, or Poker Deluxe obviously covers a fair bit more area, but support our sponsors. Now, Brock, game reviews, and we'll punch through these. Panthers-Cowboys, I think this one can be summed up pretty straightforward. I thought Penrith were great. Oh, um, Maloney was absolutely outstanding. He controlled things. But the main point of this game, and I said it a few weeks ago, did the Broncos expose the Cowboys' middles? What's supposed to be such a great strength also was a weakness defensively, spacing-wise, and getting pulled apart. And I think Penrith did it to him again. I think they just absolutely killed the ruck. And the amount of quick play the balls they generated, um, you know, they just, I thought they just blew them off the park. I thought the Cowboys really, really struggled to contain them there. And then on the flip side of that, credit to their forwards, just the aggressiveness. The time and space was cut down for the Cowboys' middles. And how many times I saw JT get hit fairly and cleanly and just put on his ass was absolutely outstanding. Their intent, uh, just everything about the way they played the other night, I was very impressed. Yeah, totally agree. Um, they bashed the Cowboys. They did. Absolutely bashed the Cowboys. And the game was decided pretty much just on that aspect. Physically, Penrith just dominated. They completed well and they took their chances. And the Cowboys just... Could never get any momentum for their halves, and it was as simple as that. 
And for what seemed they were struggling the first few weeks to get out of yardage or making some errors, they fixed that the other night, I thought. And Edwards, who's been outstanding all year, has continued to do so. Mansour, a bit of a better game from him there. And uh, Crichton, making a fist of his opportunities. But all around, I think the most important thing, there was the talk of all these younger guys, it's going to take a couple of seasons, 50 games or whatever it is, to feel like NRL players. Starting to see a few guys feel like they belong more so, not just in the NRL, but physically, like, they can get over the top of a few blokes. And Fisher-Harris playing tight, I thought that was the right move. Kikau on the edge proved again why he should be playing on the edge and playing more minutes. Uh, even Moses Laota had a few errors in there, but the shot he put on Jake Granville, pushing up on that try that he scored at the end, like, I just think a lot of these young guys look like they're starting to take a bit more ownership of that forward pack. Yeah, you're exactly right. They're, uh, they're just developing and spending more time in first grade, and... Naturally, they're, they're going to develop and, and get better. And they they just dominated the Cowboys. I don't know how else to say it. No. Like in a game that nobody tipped Penrith. Absolutely no. nobody tipped Penrith. Um, I didn't give them a chance. And no. They smashed the Cowboys. I'll tell you what. Uh, Cowboys looked to come out with the right intent in the second half when Tamalola absolutely murdered Isaiah Yo. But summing up their night, they made an error a couple of plays later. And yeah. Penrith basically scored straight away. So uh, it's not their night. I think he had a much better game this week by his standards. But... Uh, a lot of the other four just Tumbalolo, yeah, yeah, Matt well, Scott again, but th- they rely on generating ruck speed from their kick returns, and Penrith just took that away. They hundred percent they didn't think next week. Even though I thought Ben Hampton was pretty good or one of the better ones last night, I think they're going to have to consider bringing Lachlan Coop back just for the extra kicking game as well. Take a bit of pressure off the other two. He's got a left foot there, uh, facilitating things at the back a bit better. The forwards need to be better. The intent needs to be better. Even their bench, which is usually very, they very look good. slow. Everyone's struggling. Slow. Everyone is really, really flat and struggling for the Cowboys mm. right now. I'm not sure why they look slow. I... Well, the halves are suffering for it, and especially JT. He's absolutely worn some licks the other night. It's unfair smashed. for him to bear the criticism of this because without any real ruck speed, you, oh, you got you're no always going to struggle to to win games. Parramatta in the same situation. Yeah, 100. Uh, percent Good win by Penrith, and moving forward. This week they play Parramatta again, the short turnaround where it's a repeat of a couple of games that happened earlier in the year or some games from round one already been replayed again, which is strange. uh, The second game, this one I don't think needs a lot of explanation. Seas versus the Dogs. No offence to the Bulldogs. I thought they were very tough. When they lost in by, I thought straight away that blunted their attack. Uh, I'm not going to question the effort at all, but I honestly felt watching it that Seas were coming for them all day. It was just a matter of time before they stopped going side to side so much and actually punched in for a quick play the ball to lay a platform to move the ball. And yep. it just seemed they were we were sitting there watching it, frustrated side to side to side, shift to shift to shift, without just punching one in. Um, it was it was very awkward watching for the most part, but they eventually got the job done. Uh, the Bulldogs felt a little bit hard done by, especially Josh Jackson. He was caught out by the referee. He wasn't allowed to get back to his spot. He yeah, was a strange one for me. I, subsequently I scored. Replay. I'm not sure how they were overly disadvantaged. So. I, I thought he got close to getting back, or he was basically there, but good yeah. luck tackling GI one-on-one. Um, Dean Pay also said he was disappointed with a few of the roll ball penalties. That, I think, you know, there's going to be plenty. that They probably don't penalise, but he thought there was a few there that were weird. Aiden Tolman got penalised for one that was a bit harsh. And Speaking of Aiden Tolman, they did lose him early on as well. So they were down to 15 players for basically half that game. But yeah, losing him by was a big blow. 100%. Key position player. Most dangerous weapon they have right now. Yeah. Um, I think if he stays on, I, I don't know for sure that they would have won. But, geez, I'd, I'd find it hard to believe that they would have got beat. Yeah. I thought the pack was solid again. I thought the props were okay. Clemmer had a better game. Woods is 
being a bit better than what he started off with. Oh, let, let's be honest. Woods has been terrible There's no the first leg, month. The big thing is leg speed for me and impact. He, just, he's, he's the best, probably one of the best offloaders of the football in the competition. Outside of that, for me, he does zippo. No. He doesn't dominate in defence. He does certainly doesn't strike any fear when he carries the ball. No. He's just got an exceptional offload. Good way to get his arm free or shuffle his way while he's standing there after he's lumbered into the line, but... Uh, I think the only one with real leg speed is Fitella Mariner, and I thought he was pretty good again. People are blowing up about why didn't they take the two. You could explain this. The well, it's a differential, differential penalty. penalty. A differential penalty from a scrum, you're not allowed to take the two. Simple as that. So Conversation over. Know your rules. We've heard multiple... Um, yeah, radio stations, yeah, all sorts sources of asking about it. but Information on the game that have just got it completely wrong, and they obviously don't know the rules. Yeah. It's a differential penalty from a scrum. You're not allowed to take the two. That's why they didn't. Souths have still got some uh, things to work out, obviously, but Sam Burgess absolutely outstanding. I do have a problem with him being charged, though, for his elbow because I don't understand how when I'm running and there's three or four guys coming after me and you cop a stray one, um, how any different from Tamalolo, KO and Yo the other night because that's what you do when you run into contact. I know it wasn't an elbow, mm. but, you know. Well, I, think, I think it's a penalty. Well, what about Russell Packer yesterday? No, I think, a one? Pe- I think that's a penalty as well. I, I'd like to see them start penalising the use of the forearm and the elbow because I think it's snuck back into the game a little bit. But to put him on report for it, I think it was stupid. I don't think it was a deliberate He's looking raising at a of the elbow. Yeah, that's crazy. Like it's... But for me, I think the player carrying the ball needs to be more aware of where that leading arm is, that yeah. bumper arm is. So, you know, for me, it's I see a lot of guys get forearmed in the throat or in the sternum, and I don't think it's on. Well, no offence to Josh Morris. I think he milked it for more than it was worth. Oh, as well, I'm not disagreeing I'm not with you. I just hurt, think but... we need to be more aware of it in the game because it is something that I think has snuck back in in the last couple of years, that's all. Yeah. Uh, also, look, Cameron Murray said it every week, basically, so far. He's outstanding. I don't know how yeah, he didn't his start. Size, he punches way over, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know how he didn't start the first week, but one of their better juniors coming through, I'm pretty sure he's still eligible to play 20s. He's a South junior. He's one of these guys you look at moving forward when you're John Sutton's and these guys move on. He's going to be a leader at that club someday. Mm. He's a very, very good footballer. Uh, Adam Reynolds, back in a week or two. Apparently, do they make this swap straight away for Dwayne? I think Dwayne's but... been solid. Uh, his goal kicking obviously hasn't been that great, but... At the same time, if Reynolds is held together by duct tape and falls apart, you may see Dwayne or Dewey quicker than you expect. So, uh, they've still got some things to do. I work. know what's going to happen. Uh, Reynolds is going to come in. I just, I'm not sure that Reynolds is that much better than the kid. Yeah, well, they've paid Reynolds for four or five more years, so yeah. he's definitely going to be coming back in. But I think, uh, <laughs> you know, just the physical side of Dwayne defensively, the way he runs the ball, I think his general play kicking game is good. I think the only real big difference between the two is Adam Reynolds' goal kicking is much better, but. That's um, a fair point, and he, that is a that, that's a big thing. He's done a very good job in replacement so far. Um, they've still got some things to to work out. Obviously, they've had some changes as well. But I, I think Johnson's been better at fullback. I think Cook is obvious after the first few weeks. He's going to be staying at nine. Farris not getting back into the team. Murray's your thirteen. Uh, there's a lot of things there that are still going to get worked out. But it's tracking the right way, I think, for Souths. Uh, Sharkies Melbourne. This one, it was just an awful game. It was awful. 33 penalties, 28 errors across it. There was too much grub, too much niggle, uh, poor discipline, and the quality of the footy was just awful. Do I think, and people blowing up about Lewis getting Sinbin, do I think that Billy milked it? Yep. Do I think other players would have milked it in the same situation to try and gain that advantage? Yep. Is it gamesmanship somewhat? Yes. Does that bother some people? Uh, you know, if you if you bother by it, I think it was a dog act with them. Full power to you, but uh, they didn't take it, they didn't take advantage. Oh, people think milking it there is poor sportsmanship and the sin bin there, but 
Uh, from watching the replay, I didn't think Lewis touched him. He just fell over. So, Oh, you don't think Lewis touched him? I don't think Lewis touched him at all. I think Billy's just sold it up the hill, but uh, we do it. Good on you know, he's, he's done his he's team was solid, but yeah. it didn't matter in the end anyway because the Sharks, and we were there. Crowd was crazy. Sharks were crazy. I, t- I can understand why people don't like going to the prison, as we aptly named it, until I finally went there on the weekend. And The Sharks, to me, were better the whole game. They really were. Their yeah. forward pack was better. I thought they defended better. Melbourne, for some unknown reason, and we said this before, basically refused to go to Croft. Anytime they did go to Croft, he looked like his confidence was shot. He only engaged a few times, and when he did, he did look dangerous. Other than that, he was just shifting it early to Chambers, and the Sharks were just releasing extra players out, and they dragged him over the sideline a couple yeah, of times. They used the conditions to their advantage, that's for sure. The yeah. Munster kept getting the ball on loaded short sides. I have no idea why. Um, he threw a couple of poor passes, and even the pack in general, I didn't think Melbourne were overly impressive. I thought the Sharks won that game in just about every facet, and uh, in particular, the most impressive for me was Jesse Raymond, a Newcastle getting a hell of a player. Oh. Defensively, especially. He outplayed Curtis Scott. He is a very, very angry man, Jesse Raymond. If there's one thing you need to be as a centre, it's defensively good, but you're intent defensively. And even when he stood Scott up to set up that try for Edric Lee, that stutter move just to get Scott to bite for that one little second and hold up was the difference between Lee scoring the only try in the game and them not. And, uh, it was a bit like rugby union, as they called it, with all the penalty goals, but I thought Melbourne had chances to kick goals as well and they should have taken them. They didn't. The Sharks obviously did. Townsend uh, did a good job icing most of those. and I thought it was a thoroughly deserved win and as much as it bothers me to say because I think he's a bit of a dick sometimes, I thought Fafita was fairly good as well, as was Wade Graham. Yeah, I don't think Cronulla were oh, not that much better. I just The game never got to flow. I thought Cronulla were better, don't get me wrong, but... Um, it's just a game that you just put a red pen through. I never want to watch a game like that again. It was stop, start, stop, start, no flow. Conditions weren't great. It was windy as all hell. We were standing next to idiots. It was a mixture of a... Great times. whole different um, mixture of things. So well, I'll tell you um, what, people love squeezing Paul Gallant's head because Fanukin and Will Chambers both getting uh, suspended for grapple tackles. Are they, are they suspended for well, Chambers has got carryover points for shoulder charges and plenty of other previous things, so he's got two weeks. Fanukin's only he got a... two weeks. Yeah, but he's had heaps of prize that he's taken early guilty. I'm not sure there was a lot in. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it was pretty bad. I've seen worse bloody grapple tackles. You still can't strangle a bloke. Fanukin's yeah. was worse, and I seen him on last night at 100% footy blowing up because he had him from the back and he cranked his neck. But he's broken his thumb anyway, so his one game suspension is almost null and void because he's going to be missing six weeks anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, they're two pretty big losses heading in to play the Tigers again this week considering the Tigers have already beat Melbourne and yeah. you know how tough they're going to be so it's not an ideal situation for Melbourne to be in the Sharks uh, they move on from this one they've been gritty the last couple of weeks and Moylan and Dugan are back next week I just don't like the constant shuffling though at some point they have to settle on those key positions for me uh, New Zealand versus the Roosters now this game and I only got to watch it today finally because I was out on Saturday just where the Warriors Outstanding. If you would have told me that Sean Johnson and Garvey were going to pull out before kickoff and Lino was going to come in along with Sate, Chris Tate, who was going to play, you know, only a small stint, and Anthony Gelling they only used for the last five minutes as well. So they've effectively played with 15 players and beat the Roosters in Sydney after travelling a couple of the first few weeks. So it's their third week travelling. Mm. I would have said no dice. I expected a close game. I thought the odds were ridiculous, but if you would have told me they were going to win 30 to 6, where? Um, they, yeah. they were incredible. And I think the more impressive thing is the balance they've found. Not only, it's all the fitness stuff and the intent and the one percenters and all the effort areas that we talk about, contact, line speed, their carries, pushing, but their attack 
and the balance they found last year. We spoke about this highest completion rate. They just did nothing with the football. But the consultation that Kearney's had this year with Stacey Jones and Andrew McFadden, two guys who played halves in first grade to let this open up a bit, they just look so much better. Some of the switch plays, and I know you love doing that with some of our boys, where they drag both markers across and created numbers on the short side. Having Tohu Harris, who I've said the last few weeks, is basically like having a half on the edge. Yeah, They play short sides better than just about anyone in the competition does. Blake Green's kicking game, and just everybody. Like, there's no one I can say in that team that didn't do their job. Their back five, amazing. Their nine, all their forwards, their bench contributions, Sow, Afala, like, I'm, I'm blown away. And it's not just, oh, they've won four games. They've won in different ways every week. And they've had plays in all positions play well. And uh, the weekend was really the icing on the cake. I was I was super impressed with the Warriors. Yeah, same. I, Blake Green was sensational and steered them around. And the Roosters were poor. They made a lot of errors. They didn't defend very well. I thought Blake Ferguson had an absolute Barry Crocker. Yeah, I bet, so I'll give absolute him a pass because Barry he's been Crocker. outstanding the first few weeks. And Whoa. He got um, peppered, but what are, you, what are you going to do? Some of the kicks they put in, they just strangled the life out of him. Yeah. And it's not something you associate with the Warriors. When have you associated the Warriors to march down in yardage, compose themselves, force dropouts, complete their sets, pick the right time to offload? Like they, they, they have the ultimate balance. And to you steal a term that you like to use, they have structure for unstructure, which they've never seemed to have had. And yeah. they want to beat teams. They want to beat teams. And it looked like they just wanted to take the Roosters apart. And I thought they did it. Almost in a Melbourne style, they were clinical, to be honest. Like they, they played some football, but I also thought at times they were clinical and their set plays were brilliant. Yeah, they were. Um, hard to argue. It's, I couldn't believe the scoreline. I couldn't believe it. And yeah. even again, we talk about players that went there and we thought, is this just a reunion of a lot of dead wood? And like Hiku pushed out of Penrith, talked that he was on the drink, his attitude was bad. He's been outstanding. And on the weekend, he was brilliant. You got Marmolo, who's had some issues with his hands. He's been awesome. Fussy Tour, I say it every week. He's a classy man. And when that ball went up for him to take out of the air, like, just wow. And even Lino, he's been in their system for a few years. I thought he was hit and miss. He did an outstanding job plugging in on the weekend. Adam Blair, even, I have to say, besides his dog shot last week, I think he's been great the first four weeks. And all their buys have been great. They're, they're just looking... Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I, I thought there's a possibility that things could come together and they be a team that could float around the bottom of the eight or just miss the finals. But if you would have told me they were going to start this way or even show signs of what they've shown so far, I would have said you're a liar. Um, And the Roosters, first few rounds, they've had the highest error rate. Uh, They've got the worst completion rate in the comp, most penalised. That didn't change. They look very, very clunky. They were completely blown off the park. Even just looking at some of the smaller aspects, 1,500 metres to 870. Like They just strangled the life out of them. A lot of that due to repeat sets and them not having as much pull. Uh, ball, sorry, possession, 16 offloads to four, like picking them apart, making them make second efforts, 352 tackles to 210. They just absolutely gassed the Roosters, the Warriors. Um, very impressive. Yeah, it's almost two-thirds of the amount of possession to one-third. So just crazy. You're never going to win games like that. Absolutely crazy. So great result for them. Uh, the Roosters, like I said, I thought one of their better players, scary enough after the first few weeks when things looked a bit better, was Tedesco. And it seems that chaos... And things going against him and him having to create off his own bat makes him play better football. But, um, yeah, Cronk and a few of those other guys didn't have a happy day, that's for sure. And a lot mm. of the forwards didn't have a happy day. Jake Friend worked himself to a standstill, 52 tackles. And, uh, yeah, other than that, it wasn't a great day for the Roosters. But Manly Canberra, 32-16. They score the first try. 
and then they drop it off the kickoff. And then from there, it just seems to absolutely unravel for the Raiders. In a 10-minute period, the Chaboyevich brothers, Cherry yeah, Evans, and Coruscant, all their spine players, which is one thing I do like about Manly is their spine and their front row. Those guys orchestrated the capitulation of that side. And Fanua, Blake, and Tapia, I have to throw it out and say right now, they've been close to the two best front rows in the comp to start this season than they were again on the weekend. Both chalking up 190, 200 metres. The play the ball speed they generate for Coruscant gets him on the move, gets Cherry Evans onto the football. Jake and Tom are both kind of alternating, helping Croker at six. And the sadder part here for me is just Canberra's, again, like we talk about effort, and he called them soft. Their middles were soft. Sam Williams got picked on that edge. So did Jared Croker. How easily they poured through the middle. It felt like for 20 minutes they had no football and it was their own fault. Mm. Like Manly just parked themselves down there, teed up off on them. They had lots of penalties. They got repeat sets and they just cut them to absolute pieces. And at, at 20 to 6, I was sitting there going, this could be a 50-point game again. They yeah. could absolutely just light them up. Well, yeah, it could have been. Like, Canberra crashed over for the softest try that you'll ever see, the first try of the game, and then... The Trebojevic's just ran through them like it was under sixes. It was it was very, very, very strange. Right? A really weird start to the game. And then from there, Canberra never recovered. Once Manly got those early tries, got some momentum, Canberra just looked like a deer in the headlights behind on the scoreboard and the confidence just went out of them. Yeah. Second half, uh, it's 26-6 halftime. They found a late try there for Matty Wright. He's done a good job since he's came in. Um, you know, looking at that point, I thought this is definitely not happening. Second half, they got an early try there. Croker, it's a long way back though. They lose Tanganoa, they lose Sirin, and so they're down to 15. Canberra yeah. do show somewhat a bit of resilience, but it's all too late. Even when White ran away at that point, you're like, you're not saving this game now. No. There's, there's no way. But the last 20 minutes, and you mentioned it before, it almost felt like the game stopped. Neither kind of really did anything. Manly had some injuries, and they'd already kind of chalked up the win. Raiders just couldn't hold the football or couldn't get out. And they couldn't get out of their own way, basically. No, they couldn't. Um, so the last 15, 20 to me was a little bit flat. And it obviously ended with another try, iced by Tom Travojevic, who unfortunately ended up hurting his ankle. But he was outstanding. His brother was great. Cherry Evans and those props, like I mentioned, they're, well, they've been pretty, really, really good to start the comp. And on the Canberra side of things, the sadder part is I thought Whiten was one of their better players and has been. And now he's potentially in trouble. And Paulo was one of the only forwards I thought had a better game. And, and Papali, who's been dropped, I didn't think was too bad on the weekend either. So mm. um, it's pretty hard to be dropping blokes when everyone's playing so so piss poorly, to be honest. And defensively in the middle, on the all over defensively, and just their attitude, all the little things that are just attitude and effort and controllable by the playing group, they're just not there. They're not present at the moment. Something's not right at Canberra. Yep, fair point. So good win by Manly. 30-12, to 12, Newcastle and the Dragons. A great win. Newcastle obviously get first blood there. And then Tau Tau Moga, the poor bastard. He's had some bad injuries. Debuted as a 17, 18-year-old monster at the Roosters. Need trouble to see him go to the Cowboys. And obviously Brisbane last year, after almost five seasons, the first time he's been healthy. Plays some good football. Sets himself up for the next few years at a building club. And just a non-contact injury going in to score that try. Yeah. So good start. But that all seemed to have gone downhill from there. The Dragons respond instantly. Three quick tries. Man, they can play some football. This forward pack just lays a platform. The halves linking together is brilliant. Their edges, you and Aiken, so powerful, so strong. Lafay, he can throw a loose offload at times, but when he does get the offload right and draw a man in, when he put Nene in for that try, like it's just, yeah. And, and they had a bit of a field day targeting Brock Lamb, who's obviously a smaller man. Sims crashed over him, but 
I think probably more impressive again is just their defensive <laughs> intent. Not only are they so good in attack, but the forward pack with James Gray in there, I think he's added an extra element mentally. And we spoke about what he brings and what Vaughn told us he's brought to their training and the group and all the blokes hitting personal best. But DeBellin and him, like a lot of blokes were just getting whacked. And they were really revved up for this one. And to be honest, uh, I don't think the score on reflected the game. I think this is another one for the last 15-20. Felt like it was already packed up. Newcastle yeah. were trapped in their own end. The Dragons didn't seem too keen to try and blow them off the park. They didn't get penalty goals either, but just lots of one-outs. Lots of boring football, but I think I think this could have been a lot bigger scoreline. Yeah, the scoreline definitely flattered Newcastle. Not, um, not the Dragons. They just took the foot off the pedal in that last 20 and... While the game was in the balance, they were just a class above. A lot of people have come out and said how impressed they were by Newcastle for how they competed, but to me, it, they didn't compete at all, really. Like While the game was in the balance, the Dragons smashed them. They could have scored 60 if they wanted to, I thought. I thought the last 15, 20, I was more disappointed, if anything, with the Dragons. Well, that, that's, that's, that's my point. They I, took the foot off the pedal. If you go back and watch it, with the penalties and all the possession they had, they looked like they weren't throwing a shot. They had a them. stack, yeah. Lots of one-outs and lots of simple stuff and just parking down their end. And I honestly thought they should have damaged them and damaged them badly. And I think more reflected in what you see, I will say that Newcastle do give their all, but 1,700 metres to 1,200, seven line breaks to one, 50. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If they offloads to six, like, in all those kind of effort areas. And again, we talk about forwards and boys against men a lot last year on the weekend with their forward pack and the way they dominated Newcastle and mine one, it did seem that way. Uh, and not taking anything away, but the two tries... I thought were pretty soft. The Moga one I'll give because Ponga creates so much space and diversion on that left edge or any edge he runs to because he just draws so much attention to himself to create space. But the hind it's an inside ball. I thought was just a poor read. So 2012 halftime, I was a little bit disappointed, especially from a Dragons perspective. But honestly, thought really they could have blown them off the park at the mm. back end if they really wanted to. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Halves good. Widop's kicking game, absolutely outstanding. Uh, DeBellin, Frizzell, Vaughan. Graham, the edges, Aitken, very underrated. Good to see him back playing some good football. Nana McDonald, they're just firing all cylinders. Yeah, that's why I had them right up there. I was confident they were going to have a good year. And the only thing I really think that's going to hurt them is an injury to a key position player. Newcastle, I've got to say, I think Pierce is really doing his best. He didn't have a great game last week, but on the weekend again, I think this is a new learning curve for him, not being in the dominant side and having all the bits and pieces around him. But Callum Ponga, wow. I think their middle was just dominated. It was. It really was. But Callum Ponga doesn't even need that. He was still very effective in that game and on a dry track this week again. So very impressed by him at 19 years old to be doing what he's doing. He's he's going to be great to watch for the the years to come, that's for sure. Broncos, Titans, your mob. Boom. Getting a win, mate. Yeah, they're a bit scrappy, but Brisbane were worse. So um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Brisbane, I guess, what we said the first few weeks, the forward pack. Uh, where's the attack coming from? What are they even trying to do? Mm. Lots of one-outs, lots of boring basic football. They couldn't get a roll on. The halves look like they didn't have anything organised. They're not trying to get Bird or Roberts or any of these kind of guys of football. And when you're a smaller side who doesn't generate much second phase play, you have to involve your smaller guys. You have to turn blokes back on the inside. Matt Gillette, 
uh, you know, back against the grain on shifts or James Roberts getting involved somewhere, trailing through the middle or Jack Bird. Like, they're not really a big side. They need to be more creative or have more going on off the football than most sides. And it just doesn't seem like a lot is happening. Yeah. And watching that game, I was just like, where are the points coming from? What are they doing? And the effort from, say, the Cowboys game when everyone questioned them week one to again the other night, it looked like round one all over again. They were kind of just out there playing for the sake of playing almost by the looks of it. And then you've got a few guys who put their heart and sleeve in every week. And Josh McGuire, I know he can be a bit of a grub at times, but he's one of the rare few I'm looking at saying he's having a red-hot crack. But to be honest, there's a lot of guys out there for Brisbane that I honestly look like they didn't want to be there. Yeah, they just killed themselves, Brisbane. They had enough ball, I think, to win the game, but they didn't generate anything out of the the amount of ball. And they won the penalty count. I think the Titans made more errors or as many errors. Um, so no excuses for Brisbane. They were just poor. Yeah. The two Titans quick, were okay. The like two, they took their chances, but yeah. yeah. The two early tries probably signaled the way things were going. Very nice. Yeah. Early on there, and uh, to be honest, very happy to see Kane LG play well. I thought that was his best game in a long time. He played quite well the other night. Wallace back in the front row of James makes more sense. I thought the middle was a lot more steady. But Jai Arrow, one you got from Brisbane, has been outstanding. Yeah. So a bit of a double win that Ash Taylor obviously stayed with you guys, and then you get Jai Arrow over, who they obviously didn't see enough value in, but so far he's, he's been brilliant, and uh, I, I was quite impressed. And Philip Sammy, I've said previous weeks, I think he's a good footballer, but the hat-trick the other night and his yardage work, more importantly, not just the tries, very, very good. Yeah, he was, he was really, really good. So I'm not... Uh... You know, rushing to sign him to a ten-year deal, like no. some people are, but the development that he's shown in the first four weeks has been solid, and he, he looks a bright prospect. That's for sure. And the last one we have here: Tigers versus the Eels, thirty to twenty. Uh, I think this one is just the same old from the Eels. They make errors when they're coming out of yardage, and they give penalties to help the other team out of yardage. And that was basically what I watched yesterday again. It's fundamental, isn't it? That's what Brad Arthur was talking about. If you're not disciplined or you're not going to do the simple things right, I don't want you in my team. But yeah. he's already made three or four changes, and it didn't make a hell of a difference. And the sad part is a couple of the guys that came in were better than their starters. And even a guy like Nathan Brown, who last year was just like the Terminator and Relentless yesterday, 62 metres, and a lot of these guys... Just, you know, very, very poor. Their middles were absolutely awful. If you don't generate anything in the middle, then your edges have got no chance. The halves don't have any much to work with. Even when they do, it's predictable. Same old, same old. Uh, Mitchell Moses, the poor defence is starting to creep back in. He got targeted yesterday. They scored a couple of times out on that That's edge. That's a possession thing. I think at one stage, the Tigers had completed 30, 31 of 33 sets. So it was just... And as you said, the Eels just gave the ball away. Well, they so. completed 90% for the game, and I thought there they, again, played some football. And They did. They do all the simple stuff well again. Their yardage work, and I've said it week in, week out, offloads in yardage, particularly Isan Masters. He did it again. Second efforts, got him scrambling, got rolling off the back of it. They did a couple of switch plays as well, where they jump back to the short side after they get the markers to bite over. Benji's kicking game. Luke Brooks on the back of what is finally a good front row, Madalino, Packer, Eisenhuth, etc., laying a platform. He looks a completely different player, and uh, I'm just more blown away that guys like Rocco, Eisenhuth, Twole, etc. This is what's you know playing big minutes for this team and contributing to this team, and they're three and one, yeah. and they've beaten some quality teams: the Storm, the Roosters, the Eels, who are obviously named to be one of the better sides in the competition this year. They've been very impressive, and for not a shit penalty in Golden Point, which we never ever see. Possibly four and zero. That's right. So yeah, yeah. They to me, um, they probably deserve to be to be four and zero, and they look one of the best coach sides in the competition. And they certainly don't have a roster that makes you, uh, 
makes you drool, does it? But no, it's, they're just well coached. And it's hard not to be impressed. They do the fundamentals correctly, and that was uh, vindicated, or I guess the best indication of that is you're 31 out of 33, and it's very, very difficult to lose games when you're completing like that. And as you said, they played a little bit of footy on the back of it, and Marshall was good. Uh, I think Isan Masters was great. Chris Lawrence is doing a really good job. Russell Packer's added a good dimension to them. So uh, they look a, they look a, a strong strong uh, side and again they're only going to be hampered I think by their lack of depth and you know if that ends up being the issue that derails their season then it's something that is beyond Ivan Cleary's control I think and even again yesterday dropping off a Luma when Lola here comes back in and he hasn't been too bad his first two games back with confidence just going up you can go play cup again yeah and Will McQueen they, um, they keep winning and McIlrick got dropped for Little McIlrick, and yeah. Little proved his worth again and the potential that he's got he made two line breaks from dummy half he's very fast and explosive out there so there is some positives moving forward. There's oh, no doubt it. about it. And like we said, they've still got a complete rebuild to come. Like a lot of these guys aren't going to be there for the long term. They're doing a bit of a patch up job, but they're doing an outstanding job. Yeah. But in, you know, a year or two's time when he assembles the roster that he wants completely and the junior pathways are repaired and they get some guys coming through, the Tigers are going to be much better for it. That's Absolutely, for sure. yeah. It's a it's a process for Ivan at the moment. Parramatta, I don't know what you do. You've made changes. Some of the guys that came in, I thought T-Rex wasn't too bad, considering uh, the time he was given. Penny Terrapo. Penny Terrapo's obviously got a better carry, and we both agree. Leg speed. I don't know you drop Matungi. Like, that, those are the guys you need in your team. You need guys with a bump, some leg speed, guys can get you quick play the balls. Alvaro, he's ordinary. Tim Manor tries hard, but he doesn't have any leg speed either. Like, uh, Bo Scott, there's, just, there's some people that just shouldn't be in that side anymore. And they're going to have to make some changes in the off-season, I think. Um, even though a couple of those guys are locked up. I think Bo Scott's on his last year. There's a couple of dudes that definitely aren't going to be there next year, that's for sure. Yeah. But Middles and Connors Pritchard. I feel sorry for the poor bugger. We say it all the time. He's got problems with getting knocked out, and it happened again. First game back in, off with another concussion. So surely the count on him now is, you know, six or seven times. And I think I've seen some glances of head knocks in other games during his time in first grade. But he needs to change his kamikaze ways. Otherwise, he's either going to have some serious issues long term or he's not going to last in first grade yeah I agree so yeah there's some serious concerns for Parramatta there but that's our reviews of the games from the weekend now we'll jump into some fan questions and the first one we've got here is from Dominic Coogan how good are the extended highlights on the NRL app well I haven't used it yet but I have seen it when I have been on the website so yeah I guess it's better than just looking at the tries they get some key points from yeah, the game good. so yeah. uh, I don't mind that side of it but the website in general now is rubbish uh, I think a lot of people I've seen are disappointed with it They've gotten rid of stats and there's a lot of hidden tabs. It's very confusing now. I don't know why. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Exactly. No one had a problem with it. So I don't know what they've done there. But Lucas Taylor, will Blake Green get a run in Origin or is Maloney a certain starter? Uh, Rule him out or they can both play together in the halves. Cheers, team. Great work. Appreciate it. He's got to be in the mix. Well, let's put it this way. People were talking about Kiri, and I've said before that I'd have no problem with it, but a few years ago, from all my recollection, he was born in Ipswich. He wanted to play for Queensland. This new eligibility system obviously says that he's a New South Welshman for some reason. So if he doesn't, if he's not a New South Welshman, he doesn't want to play for New South Wales, Yeah, genuinely, I don't want him to play for us. So if you take him out of the equation, I would have said Cleary and Maloney were probably the two cut along with uh, Pierce, maybe. But the way Blake Green's playing, why not? And you said it the other year. And people, I heard someone use the age argument. Well, if that's the case, he's the same age as Maloney. So if age, age is your argument... Age argument? Yeah, it's a silly one. He's the yeah, same okay, age so as Maloney. What, what about the age of all the good Queensland players? They're all mid-30s. Exactly. So why not? If you want a good kicking I, game, if I, you want control... I mentioned it when he came back. I thought he was going to be an excellent buy, and a lot of people laughed at me. A lot of people laughed at me when I threw his name up for origin as well. But 
we've missed someone in origin that can just direct us around the field and well, keep us composed and come up with good ends to our sets. Maloney and played for Australia and New South Wales last year. Who had a better season? Green. Blake Green. Maloney was the most penalised player and close to the most errors in the comp. That's terrible. You're part of that contract situation. What was going on at the Sharks? Yeah, possibly. But I think you also need to have a mix. Like You can play Maloney and Green because Maloney's predominantly a runner, runner yeah. and Green's it's an organiser. So, But Cleary and Green, I'm not sure that would work. I think that's where you look at like a a Cleary and Maloney or a Cleary and a Kiri. But, look, I've got all the faith in the world in Brad Fittler because there's, there's one thing Brad Fittler knows. He's it's half. his halves and halves combination. So yeah. whatever he comes up with, I'm going to support. And um, I've just got my fingers crossed that we can we can get it right. He should be considered that. That's the main thing. Blake Green should definitely be considered. Yeah, who's, no, no who's, he's been consistent the whole time he's been back. Yeah. Two years at the Storm, he was super consistent. It'd be incompetent if we're not considering it. 100%. Luke Green, hey, how good are the Travoybridge brothers? Do you know anything about the younger brother coming up for the grades? Well, well I know he's good. They're both outstanding. Ben, the only thing I know is that he plays on an edge at the moment. That may change. I think I've seen him play a New South Wales 16s game when we were up there in Queensland. Uh, he's a big body, <laughs> but it's hard to tell now with Mats and Ball. Because obviously, unless you're playing one of those teams on the day and you're there for it, you can't see a lot, but they have high hopes on him just like they do the other two brothers. So could be in maybe two, three years' time, there's potentially three Trevojevic's playing first grade. Yeah. Bo Anderson, why oh why have the Sharks brought back Moylan? 0-2 oh with him, 2-2 two two without him. So unfair on Hodkinson. Well, you've paid $850,000 to bring the bloke over. They insist that he's a 5'8". I still stick by what I've said. He's a fullback, and his best position for that team is fullback because he offers you a ball player from the back of the field, and then you can get Holmes and Dugan involved on kick return instead of Moylan because that's the poorer part of his game. He doesn't have a good kick return game. So if you're going to pay all these guys $800,000, try and utilize the best part of their game. I think they've made a mistake, to be honest, by spending so much salary cap on three fullbacks. And, you know, trying yeah. to promise the world to everybody. But if you want to utilize all their best abilities, he's got to be ball playing from the back of the field. He can't be defending in the front line. Dugan and Holmes have to be more involved on kick returns. So um, I agree. I'd have Hodkinson and Townsend in the halves. Yes, they're a similar player, but they give control and a bit of discipline to a side that's not well renowned for that, that's for sure. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Denos Daniel, good thing Tigers defence, bad thing the refereeing. Does Ricky Stewart blaming everyone else for his team's losses cause a ripple effect and give players an excuse for not performing? Well, he didn't blame anyone else this week, that's for sure, Dana. Uh, the few weeks before, he may have had a few bits and pieces he wanted to say, but he absolutely lit them up this week. But he goes on to say here, when he was a coach at the Roosters, we had the same mentality, blame the rest for our losses. Now with Robbo, we accept all the mistakes of our players and coaches. And that is what, in the end, makes a team lose, not just one or two bad calls. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not going to argue with that at all. I totally agree. No, I'll agree with that, but he definitely owned it this way. That's for sure. Scott no, Lock- well, not really. He, he made his players own it. Yeah. Scott Lockyer, what is the difference between a strip and a loose carry? 99% of decisions look like they could go either way. Yeah, they, they could. They're going to need to uh, really sort that rule out. I think you've either it's got to be open slather, you can steal it whenever, or... There's no stripping allowed at all. Well, the one that kills me, and I think it's obvious, and the ref blows sometimes when a player looks at him and does the hands up in the air release, yeah. it's pretty obvious he's just let go of the football or, or dropped it. So that one, I wouldn't be giving him penalties. And they pull the big, you know, who farted face yeah. all the time. Like it, that one bothers me because half of them are very obvious. And they're the ones that the referees are just guessing yeah, at. Yeah, they always blow those ones. Jordan Palmer, hey, Lewis, can you please tip the Tigers this week? Us Storm supporters could really use a win. Well, I'm probably am going to tip the Tigers this week, to be all honest, too. So. 
the reverse jinx, will it work or not? But I'm honestly probably going to tip the Tigers once I look at the lineups. Tigers have got a short turnaround and it's in New Zealand. So. Yeah, well, they've got plenty of boys that are Kiwis like the Storm, so I suppose they'll both be motivated going over there. But uh, Jay Smith, hey boys, super early, but all the talk I've heard about Origin players, I haven't heard Adokar mentioned, but surely he's thereabouts. Melbourne haven't looked great so far, but he is a threat at all times. Adokar would be in for me. He'd definitely be around the mark if you're going to talk about yeah. some of the wingers that are involved. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And I think we asked as much when we had Brad Fittler at that luncheon mm. about some players that have impressed him or they're in the mix. Yeah, and it's not a, yeah, we, he's we not a lock. To, we nah. didn't want him to give away his team anyway because nah. he shouldn't be picking his team now. But just mentioning some younger bloods. I, that look, were, I think he's in. If he's fit and he's playing well, he, he'll be picked. There you go. Matt Cherry, is it just me or is Blocker one of the worst commentators in the game? Argues every call. Claiming wider players that are offside have no effect on the attack. If someone marginally running behind their own player affects the defensive line, then surely wider players being offside affects the attacking line. Well, I don't know how often you've been listening, Matt, or if you've been long-term, but if you want to talk about people uh, saying about Blocker's commentary, I think we've been pushing that bandwagon for a fair while, that he's a punish to listen to. There's no he's doubt well past that. it. He's so. well past it, and he shouldn't be in a commentary box because the game's gone past him. Yeah. Olivia, oh, so Oliver. Sorry, mate, I'm just giving you a chick's name by reading that one. Olivia, nice. Oliver Ponal. Do you guys know a good place to stay in Sydney around the 30th of September? Just curious. Hashtag, let's, let's go on Warriors. So he, he thinks they're going to be coming yeah, for Grand There's final. a spare room at Louis' place. You can have the spare room if you want. As long as you don't snore and fart, you might be all right. Andrew Bennett, thoughts on Sticky's comments and Raiders press comments calling his team soft a thousand times. What kind of effect is that likely to have on the players in fixing their situation? Well, it's the truth. He's been hiding. It's the truth, but you don't throw your players under the bus publicly, I don't think. I, I, well, I you, firmly disagree with it. I think when you've been padding and padding and giving them excuses the whole time at some point that you need to hand down a bit of... You well, know. It tells me he doesn't have an answer. He should be saying that behind closed doors, not not publicly. Well, Garth Brennan called out your side. I, don't, I, disagree, I disagree with that as well. They responded. I, I, I think when think you're professionals, it it's a bit of a different thing. And uh, they've why, why do you need to do it publicly? Sometimes I think they need to be put on show, uh, especially when you're getting a bit decent pay packet you're not delivering. doesn't no. get the right response all the time. It's your in, job to have an answer. In Ricky so. Stewart's situation right now, after three or four years, I think, you know... This is a little bit different because he's been there for a few yeah, years, yeah? I think but he's trying to Garth, light the fire. Like four games in, really? Mm, roll the dice, no doubt about that. Matty Hunt, good day, boys. The passenger of this week is the Eels attacking coach. The Haas look so robotic when in the opposition 20. They remind me of Des Hasler's dogs of 2017. Yeah, it's fair. Um, absolutely fair. They're not generating a lot. No, nah, I blame the middles more than I do the halves, unfortunately, at the moment. They've been absolutely terrible. Adam Thomas, after watching the games on the weekend, I don't think the penalties are the problem. It's the stoppages. I think the quick tap should always be available, including inside the 10. Get onside. This will create fatigue. More tries, less goal kicks, and refs don't need to talk to players. Accept the decision and get on with it. If there are too many penalties, send them to the bin. Well, I think more use of the bin, but the one point I like, and we do this in the nines is the reset of the set of six when there's an infringement instead of having the penalty unless there's been multiple infringements in which case you will send someone if there's been three or four in a row but if it's a ruck penalty or you've got inside the 10 just restart the six again like they did in uh, I think it was the Auckland nines I was using that rule I liked it Uh, I was in one of the trials as well Uh, I was in the all-stars match that did that yeah that way you can't kill the flow as much you can't reset your line like just keep resetting you know if you've got to aim up for 12-15 tackles because you're giving away two restarted sets and blokes coming after you there's bound to be a try if not you're going to the bin if you're going to keep getting penalised so uh, that's one way you could take advantage of that situation Daniel Friend where on earth does Josh Reynolds come back for the Tigers you can't have that much money in reserve grade but I can't see how he gets a look in right now well I disagree if he's back from an injury and this is the main reason why 
I can't justify throwing in a bloke who's had multiple hamstring injuries immediately on my bench or starting when I don't even know if he can get through a game. I think he needs a week or two probably in reserve grade to prove that his hamstring's good. Well, hang on. If it's good enough for Nofaluma and McQueen and these guys, it's certainly going to be good enough for Josh Reynolds. So Uh, Unless they absolutely need him in there. They clearly don't at the moment. Well, not at the moment they don't, but you know, if if they get an injury to a key position, then they may forego putting him in reserve grade, but that would be a need, not a want. My other suggestion would be nine, but Godinay took that job off a couple of other blokes and has started when you wouldn't expect him to, and now Little's back, he's their future, and yeah. he was good the other day. So I don't think he takes the nine job either, but if you've constantly got hamstring problems, and at the back end of last year he played games where he shouldn't have in the last 10, 15 minutes, I'm not playing him just from a first-grade coach's perspective. I'm not having a guy out there that I'm not 100% set on. Mm-hmm. I want him to play a week or two of reserve grade because this has been an injury he's had problems with for the last 18 months. I want to see him last a game or two yep. before I even think about putting him back in my side. And then if they're winning, well, yeah, I don't think you can have two utilities on the bench. I don't think you can carry Josh Reynolds in a little or Josh Reynolds in a God no. I think mean, you can only afford to have one. Um, I've heard some people say they should play him as a 13. If you think a 13 now is an extra half, I think the game's gone past you. You can't afford to have three smaller blokes out there who can't defend, and especially the middle. He can't defend the middle, not for 40 no. 40, 50 tackles a game. So um, I'd, I'd warm him back in through a cup with his injury in particular and want to see him play a full game. Agree. Uh, Jackson Maslin. Hey, this penalty first is a problem, but it seems a great opportunity presented for whichever team gets on board early. The teams who get on board first should be able to jump the teams who resist in a comp where most teams play similar styles, question mark. Well, I think there's starting to be a bit of a difference in the way teams play. I think a couple of teams play more attacking football. You look at the way the Warriors are playing, they're a bit more open. The Dragons are a bit more open. As far as whoever gets on board earlier will be better off, 100%, because you won't get penalised a million times like the Sharks and the Storm did the other night. Yeah. Just follow the rules. It's not not rocket science. No. No. Fair. Sean Chan was asking about Blake Green. We've already spoke about that one, but he should definitely be considered. George Cronetti's Panthers and Warriors both arguably had their best play out for round floor in Cleary and Johnson, yet both teams were able to still come together for their most impressive wins for the season. Is this a sign of the teams being the real deal, or was it a bit of luck with their opponents playing poorly? They look, they look better, Penrith, without Cleary, which was strange. So, I, I don't know. I, I think you've just got to have confidence in your depth, and every game is... Uh Every game is a new game, and the 17 that run out should be good enough to win games in the NRL. Otherwise, they shouldn't be playing. Well, again, the whole, everyone going about real deal and this and that after three or four rounds, there's a long way to go. There's origin, there's injuries. You've got to wait until the back end of the year before you start anointing teams because next week, as we saw with Manly this week, you can lose two players to ACLs and then Tom Javoyage for a couple of weeks. That could lead to three or four losses now and derail the way things are going. So yeah. you never get too excited early on, but they certainly both look good 100%. Uh, Amitish Sharma says if the Warriors and Dragons were to play today at a neutral ground who will win and why I'd say the Dragons but with zero confidence I'd probably lean towards the Warriors to be honest but again flip the coin and if you're going to go the line or like bet on that game that'd be a picking for me Mm. if it's at a neutral ground but yeah they're both playing great football Russell Hartup how was your stadium experiences over the weekend what were the positives and negatives of each venues food drink lines parking etc well, where we, where we went? We well, went we were going to go to ANZ. We didn't. ANZ's great. Parking there is pretty easy. If not, you get a bus down and back. Um, public transport's good. I think the prices at ANZ, they said we're going to change, but... They haven't. Um, they didn't for the trials, at least, when we were there. Um, Cronulla was okay. It's a suburban ground. I enjoyed there the weren't, There weren't many toilets there. I, I was busing to go when we walked in, and I didn't go the whole night, so... 
um, just because there wasn't a toilet anywhere near us. Parking but, was shit. Um, parking wasn't ideal. They lock you out of the stadium. Oh, sorry, the club car yeah. park because it's reserved and half it was empty. So I don't understand that. If you got there early like we did to watch the other game on the TV at the Sharks East Club, you should be able to park in there. Yeah. And then the cops cut off the main road out. Oh, I wasn't happy with that, Captain was Captain Cook Drive. They Whoa. cut the roundabout off and send you all the way back through the middle of Cronulla. Brocky, Brocky had a remote throwing uh, if, if there's incident. any If there's any Cronulla fan out there, he can confirm if that happens at every home game, but they cut the roundabout off, Captain Cook Drive, and then the other one to cut past that school. We had to go all the way back through the centre, past Northies and all those joints and cut our way back into Port Hacking Road or whatever the bloody hell it was called. But uh, the actual atmosphere of suburban ground is always great, much like when we stand on the hill, um, you know, for Penrith games on the beer hill there people getting stuck in yelling it's always great and the Sharks fans are the same as a Melbourne person I had a great laugh they were absolutely crazy it was great they were ripping into them and when Smith got binned they went absolutely crazy which was a good laugh but yeah um, yeah, it wasn't too bad an experience Stephen Moorcroft not a Tigers fan but really enjoying watching them play at the moment how good is Russell Packer going for them what a great turnaround for the bloke well it's a huge turnaround you're talking about a bloke who went to jail and, and you'd suspect that most people that head down that road it's a long way to redemption but he, he's done so he, he really has so far hopefully he keeps doing uh, good things on and off the field his football is speaking volumes and apparently a lot of people off the field are saying that he's a completely different person and um, counselling and all these other bits and pieces he addressed all the issues he's had in his life so hopefully he stays on that path yeah it's a fantastic story and he's playing great footy Christopher Hill, is there a valid reason for trainers to spend as much time on the field as they do? I thought having a coach on the field telling you what to do stopped at under eights. Well, generally, it's That's ridiculous. Shirt. It is absolutely ridiculous how long they spend on the field. It's the fact that they, they train all week and they still need someone to stand behind them and tell them what to do and where to go. Is it just a joke? Well, if you look, and you know this yourself, and you look, every blue shirt... For all those teams, is a full-time assistant well, hang coach. On. You're, you're my blue shirt at Harold Matthews, and how often do you go out onto the field? Never. You never, ever stand behind our boys when they're attacking. No. Ever. Because if you need to be out there telling them what to do, I haven't done my job correctly. Yeah. 100% agree. Uh, Daniel Bennett, after the post-game presser, oh, he's talking about Ricky caught him soft, came through what's this, and audio came through of Mitchell Moses giving his yeah. own teammate a spray for playing a penalty. That happened with every play of the ball, ball, mate. That happens happens in the game. It's just one of those ones that the microphone picked up. Read nothing into it. Yeah, he was saying, do you think people still respond positively to copying a spray or do you think it's simply a sign of culture and frustration around Parrot and the Raiders? No, you're on the field. It's competitive. It's and what happens. I, I like that about Mitchell Moses. He's a competitor. Uh, some people are a bit different. Some guys don't respond. Some do. I was someone who's always a bit of a yeller or a bit fired up. Other blokes yeah. are a bit different. But at that level, when you, you know... Playing uh, on big money and results mean everything, and it's your professional future. There's going to be some emotion, no doubt about that. Uh, Daniel Green, hey boys, would love to hear your thoughts around junior development and what makes some teams better than others. Is this difference down to the systems put in place by individual clubs? If you were in charge of a junior development pathways for a new club entering the comp, what's the first thing you'd address in attempting to develop talented juniors for your club? We need to have more. The more participants you've got, the better chance you've got to develop. Yeah. The more fish you've got. Well, the bigger the net you got, the more fish you can catch. Yep. You obviously, you need fish in terms of participation numbers. From there, you need good systems in that um, they need to be transparent, fair, and work on having fun, playing footy, developing core skill. Once they get to sort of the age that we've got them, that's when they start to do a little bit of fitness. Um, the game becomes more physical. You just want as many players available to be selected at the level that we're coaching at now as possible. The more the more boys you've got there putting their hand up, obviously the better your system's going to be and the more kids you're going to have there to develop 
and therefore you'd like to think the more that comes through and play first grade. I think the big thing you've touched on, we speak at this all the time, is fundamentals because kids get to you even at Harold Matson, sometimes at 20s, they still don't have fundamentals because yeah. everyone at coaching at club wants to copy Melbourne or this or that and tell kids that they can play one position and one position only. You should encourage them, no matter what shape, size or age, coming through the juniors to play multiple positions and to develop all the core skills and the fundamentals that you're talking about. Teach tackle tech, teach kids to path both sides, uh, spiral passes, six o'clocks, catch and carry, grip of the football, like all the basics. Every player should know how to do all that stuff. If you can't do the fundamental skills of the game, you're obviously not going to develop in a rep system. In a rep system, the more strings you've got to bow, the better. And then you add on, like Brock saying, fitness, proper training, dietary stuff, gym work, and when all that goes on top of that solid base, plus a bit of structure and a bit of coaching that then comes on top of that, more likely you are to have more complete football players. But yeah, bigger areas, like you're saying, why some areas are better. Exactly what we just said. Well, we're from Penrith. We've got a massive junior base. Parramatta's got a massive junior base. That's why they have a lot more fish. They've got more talent to develop from. They've got more talent to pick from, which is why they produce more players than, say, Roosters who have next to none or a Melbourne who has to scour different states, New Zealand, Queensland, etc., and this and that, trying to find players. So, yeah, fair enough. Jonathan Jankowski, Alan. Nathan Brown has come out and said he'll be looking for a replacement centre for the rest of 2018 season to strengthen his back line after the injury to Tao Tao Moga. With Newcastle still having a lot more money in the cap, is there any centres off contract you think would be a good fit? Or could they potentially get Jesse Rangan, who's playing for the Sharks and Securian early? Well, I'm sorry to say, Alan, but I don't think Rangan's going to be coming anytime soon, even if he is leaving uh, at this point in time from a depth perspective. If I'm the Sharks, I'm definitely not helping you out. And he's playing for him right now. And say this week, they had Edric Lee and him playing on a side. If Dugan's back, uh, Edric Lee, to me, goes out and Ramian takes his wing spot. And I haven't seen the lineups yet, but I assume that was what would happen. But yeah, if I'm the Sharks, I'm definitely not doing you a favour and giving you Ramian right now. Hell no. Who's out there from other clubs? So I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head who's a starting centre or quality type player in their own system. Now, I'm pretty sure they picked up Brent Naden, who has been at Mounties and Penrith. the Panthers, who plays centre and fullback, and he's been playing centre for them. So they may have to push him up. Uh, if not, Nathan Ross, I assume, again, not looking at the lineups yet, will be playing centre and CEO or someone else will go under the wing. So uh, I, I doubt you're going to find a quality starting centre right now in the middle of the season. And yeah, the Sharks, for their own premiership campaign, I don't think they'll be centre Ramian that way, that's for sure. Mm. Diago Montoya, what qualities do you guys think makes a good referee? Letting the game flow. Well, letting um, the game flow, being impartial, uh, level-headed and... I think all those kind of things, just being patient. You have to realise that players get frustrated. And I think from that side of things, being a bit compassionate to the side of how the players react sometimes. Uh, you know, players get a bit heated if you get very emotional as well and start buying into everything and blowing penalties left, right and centre and taking things on board like that. I think it can ruin a game pretty quickly. So Yeah, they just got to understand how the game flows is probably the, the most important one for me. Referees aren't out there to be a part of the game. They're there to facilitate the game. If you can be out there and not be seen or heard, that's ideal. Perfect. Um, but your job is also to ensure that the game maintains its integrity, that one team isn't getting an unfair advantage over another, um, and that's when you need to interject. Yep. Daniel Ferreira, do you guys think the Broncos are a realistic chance of making the top eight? Oh, I think they're a chance, but I certainly wouldn't be betting on them, no. Yeah, well, that bottom end, there's a lot of teams right now you could flip a coin and there's a long way to go, but from what you've seen in the early rounds, they could easily be 0-4. Yeah. Take the penalty goal away and then bolt and run into the post, they are 0-4. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a hell of a lot of improvement that needs to be seen from the Broncos, that's for sure. Yep. 
Chris Dunwell, possible punishment for Whiten. Is there any truth in Farrah to the Raiders? Well, Whiten, you won't know until all the details come out. Right now, it's just vague that apparently there was a fight uh, after a night out in the town. To what extent has someone been king hit? Has there been fisticuffs? Has he beaten the absolute living piss out of something? Like, you don't know. There's no details as to the level of it. Was he provoked by those guys as well? Uh, like, the police are involved in that investigation, so... Yeah. possibly stood down. Could he be fired? I don't think he's got any priors, so I don't know about that, but it depends to the level of it. Farrah to the Raiders makes no sense to me. You have to take a massive cap hit. You've already got Garvey, and you've got Hingano, who they've played as a nine on the weekend, even though he's not one. Well, he'd be Tim Grant. And you've got three clubs. Harvilli, so you've basically got three guys there that you're potentially using as a nine, and Hodgson's recovery, they're talking he could be back earlier. So if you pick Farrah up for the rest of the year, you're pretty much telling Harvey and Garvey that they've wasted their time and they're not going to be playing. Mm. Um, and, I, yeah, I just don't understand the move. I really don't. And even if he does come over, he's probably the kind of figure they don't need right now. They're yeah. looking for someone to take control of their side. Yeah, but yeah. Robbie Farrah, at 33, 34 years old at nine, who's Could be poison. not quite the player that he once was, is not the player I think they need at this point in time. Mm, no. Cam Finlayson, uh, do you know what the requirements were for qualifying for a women's team in the NRL, and do you think it will drive more families towards the game? I'm guessing that's the point. I don't know, but I do know that I was in discussions with one NRL club to potentially go across and coach um, their Harvey women women's team, and they didn't get a licence. Is this so? That's what that was for. And that's not club. the club that we're currently. I'm currently Harvey Norman. Isn't that the comp they've got going still? Um, which which competition is this? Is this, this the elite is the Holden one? Arrow one. This yeah, is... well, yeah, it was it was one that was that club was going to have an involvement or express an interest in me having an involvement, and they didn't get a license either. So there are a lot of teams there that thought they were going to get licenses that didn't. Well, the requirements are hard to know about because they even talked to Ruan since about that last night, and she was very vague as to what the details were. But the main thing is, South, well, there was no clear criteria put out. South and Cronulla have done a hell of a lot of development and been the two that have been the driving force. The Sharks were the first to sign female players full time and pay them, mm. and South have been dominant in the female competition, the state-based comp in New South Wales, and a team mainly of their players won it last year. I think they'll call the Redford All Blacks. So a very good football side, but I think the big difference here was financially they had some proof in the pudding or some books to show the NRL as to what it takes to float one of these teams and how much it costs to run these teams. So I think uh, they weren't willing to chip in as much. Or that was kind of, I think, what I was talking about the other night and some other clubs that were better off financially or willing to contribute a little bit more money uh, were given those teams. And they only went with four teams because they're trying not to dilute the talent pool. That was the perspective they were taking. So it's going to be, I think, 20 New Zealand internationals and 40-something that have played for Australia split up between the four teams. But uh, honestly, mate, in like breaking in-depth detail, there hasn't been a whole lot released. So it's kind of hard to tell what the criteria was. But I'm assuming money from a lot of those clubs is the driving force because they're probably going to have to take a bit of a hit, I guess, to float it for the starting, mm. starting point. That's what I assume. Yeah. Uh, Matt Tomlinson, how good was it seeing Cam Smith treated the same as most other players who break the rules for once? Uh, the Smith hate. Well, well, it was a pretty loud cheer he got. Previous years, like, who's getting Sinbin, you know? Like, they haven't been using the Sinbin. Could he have been Sinbin other times during his 360-something no, game career? 100%, definitely. but who else is No different to anyone like? else. This year, there's been plenty of Sinbin, so I don't know why all of a sudden it's a big deal. But I certainly enjoyed it at the ground. I'm a Melbourne fan, but the Sharks fans were great. That was a good laugh. Yeah. Ben Nobes, do you guys see the centre position having to evolve? 
Now second rowers are better ball players and wingers are more skillful and don't stay on their wing the entire game. The centre position is in weird limbo. Used to be where you put your best attacking player. Do you see it changing? What do you guys want from your centre? Got to be solid defensively. Uh, and it depends on what you what you want. Do you want a line runner or do you want someone who can get the ball too early? I, for me, centre's got to be very good defensively. He needs to have a good catch pass. And I want to be able to zip him the ball early. Similar to what Raymond did the other night. Like you want to be able to give your centre the ball in that sort of situation and have him be able to beat a man one-on-one. Well, they need to be a two-way threat, but I think most importantly, bread and butter, because it's a position that doesn't seem to have a lot as much money or development spinner anymore. And dummy half running, uh, I guess. I think defence is probably the key for your centre. He gets to make a lot of those key decisions there, whether they come in or not. I think that's probably the big one for me. But the reason why I think it's been downgraded, or I've said it to you before, I think it's probably the least important position now as far as what recruitment is, is because wingers do so much yardage work, they're basically extra forwards. Yeah. And a lot of them are former centres who are bigger bodies, who are quick enough, powerful, good in yardage, good at set starts. And then a lot of back rowers are the same deal. They're mobile centres who have a better skill set. They can run lines, they can offload, they defend well. So not the centre's not important anymore, but it's a bit more isolated as far as how much ball gets to the edge because teams play so structured and through the middle. And yeah, there's not a whole lot of teams that do spin it early to their centres anymore. But probably like you said, most importantly, defence and then just yardage work coming in and contributing in that sense. Uh, Tao Grasso, Corey Norman, is his laid-back party boy image a problem yet? I think he asked us a couple of weeks ago, could his attitude influence others in the team? I know players have a right to interest outside the game, but he really appears more interested in his image rather than being a professional. No, really? We've gone over this. He's a good footballer. They're not playing well at the moment. Does he uh, act up and live it up off the field? Yeah, he does, but so do plenty of other players that go unnoticed, so... Look, I think he's going to have that attention on him when he's not playing well. When he is playing well, everyone's happy for him to be a party boy. So Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't read too much into it just yet. Jamal Sam Chummy, g'day fellas. Just wanted to see if you two could help me comprehend why Canterbury would rather try and defend an eight-point lean for an entire half instead of attempting to score points and solidify a win. Blows my mind how much ball uh, they had in their half at times, and instead of putting in an attacking kick, we just dribble it over the sideline. In your opinion, should the blame be put down to a culture amongst the players and playing group, or should the focus of the blame be left with the coaching staff? Nah, both have got to take some accountability for it. In their defence, I will say the other day, Imbai going off does hurt them a lot. Uh, he's a big part of their attack, and then they lost Tolman. So you're down to 15 men. You've lost players in your rotation. Woods, Clamour, Faitalamo. There's a couple of bigger boys there. Fulalo's not used to playing big minutes. Tolman usually does, so I think that kind of hurt their rotation. So yeah, fair. maybe they'll play a little more safe from that side of things, but yeah. Jason Lamley seems likely teams are too scared to put attacking kicks along the ground for fear of seven tackle sets. How about instead of seven tackles, teams get six tackles from where the ball was kicked. Obviously, anything inside the 20 would be a 20-meter restart. This would still stop teams putting it dead from halfway while not discouraging attacking kicks. Just go back to how it was. There's nothing wrong with how it was. The seven tackle set If you kick the ball dead on the full from outside the 40 or something like that, which was the deliberate style, then... Uh, work out a way to penalise them but to think that we're giving seven tackle sets away for someone grubbering at a centimetre too far is just ridiculous trying to get a repeat trying to set up a try or something like that Uh, Brandon Savage do Penrith look better with Maloney controlling the ship does clearly need to take a step back when he returns to get the best out of Maloney no I think again they only played two games together like you know it was going to take time Obviously, on his own, he's a rep halfback who's won a couple of comps or a rep five. He could play both roles, but yeah. on his own, he's in complete control. And the forward pack did an outstanding job the other night. They didn't do that for half of the game in round one, and they were a bit iffy the last two weeks. So 
I think it's only a matter of time when they're both there that they work it out. So I, w- I wouldn't read too much into one game. Robbie Ryan, do you think the Channel 9 media, go, uh, Gould, Fatty Johns, have spoken out inappropriately about the refs while trashing their own product? I'm basically <laughs> going to back you up a little bit on this. I don't know about trashing it or being stood down by Channel 9 like you're suggesting, but bashing the game, bashing the refs, etc. No, it's not helping what the refs are trying to do. The players and the coaches, as I've said, should take more responsibility. So that's still... Everyone needs to take some responsibility. I don't mind Channel 9 being overt about it and honest about it. Um, but Phil Gould in particular has got a, an agenda. Oh, Johns has been John's absolutely as well. dribbling the last few weeks, frothing at the mouth. They're, they're both so. involved with clubs, so I just anyone that's involved with a club, I think you can just not ignore their opinion, but you need to understand that their opinion does have some sort of agenda, and you know they they want to be able to play a certain style in a certain way. So yeah, I yeah, I, and I don't disagree with a lot of what they've got to say. To be fair, I, I think Gus has been pretty spot on with the referees and the fact that they're referring to a referee's coach. Um, but I disagree with him in the fact that he you know they need to stop this current, I, I guess, um, action by the referees or. Um, you know, put it, putting the, the game on notice and the players on notice. I think it's just a, a means to an end. It's the result of the fact that we've let the game slip for probably eight years. You know, particularly this in this decade, we've let the game slip to the point where no one's playing the ball with their foot and it's, we've gone away from what is the fabric. So this is the counteraction to that. It's going to take some ironing out and deal with it. Yep, I've got no problem with that. Phil Bazak, uh, how important is it to get a good start to the season? Para fans seem to think not so important, correct or salty? Well, well because they've lost uh, they've lost all four of their games. Of course they're going to say that. Have teams bounced back before from bad starts? Sure. I think the Cowboys the other year were 0-4 and then went on to win the competition. But again, it's it's still early doors. There's You'd time rather to be 4-0. But you'd definitely rather start well. I don't think anyone can argue that point, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, James Hughes, which coach would you rather be? Brad Arthur or Ricky Stewart? Brad Arthur. I think Canberra, I still probably like their roster more, but yeah, I, I think that maybe he's worn on them. So I'm probably with you. I'd probably think that Brad Arthur's got a better chance of turning things around. And the last one, Joshua Wilson, have the constant penalties ruined the game for you guys too? No, well, we've already talked about that, so definitely not. It's at the point now where I just can't watch it anymore. Well, again, out of this round, mate, I, I don't really understand because... People were blowing up about Friday, 50-something combined penalties in those two games. But the only one that was really, really poor for me was the Storm Sharks game. But yesterday in the the Tigers-Eels game, like I said, I think there was only 14, 15 penalties or something like that. And I thought it was all right. All the ones that Parra gave away were deserved. They were they're just stupid penalties. The Roosters-Warriors game, the bulk of those penalties, even if you look at that, I think there was maybe 19 for the game, were all inside the 10 or 20. Otherwise, that in play, like you're saying, Brock, ones that affect the flow of the game, I didn't think they were involved at all. So, for the most part, during the round, I'm not really bothered by that one game. So, yeah. That wraps up the fan questions. Thanks to everybody out there for those this week. Now, on to our gossip from Mr. Gossip. And most likely, he'll be on for the first time next week and have a chat to us, Boxhead. So, looking forward to talking to him. But uh, the bits he's got here before we do our tips in our betting segment, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, Corey Thompson is likely to extend his contract at the Tigers for an extra year, which is no surprise given the start that he's made after coming back from the Super League. He's in good form. He's been in good form. He's been outstanding at fullback, wing, breaking tackles, chips in there. Very, very uh, unique player. The Canberra Raiders are in talks with Albert Kelly. However, 
gossip says it's unlikely that the deal will get done. And I think a big part of that is I think he signed for a couple more years over in England. We all know how this usually works with transfer fees, etc. getting players to come back. Do you think Albert Kelly could help the Raiders out? Uh, yeah. Think he's better yeah. than what they've got right now? He could. But, you know, whether he can, whether he gets there or not is a different different sort of story, I guess. So let's see. Well, clearly a bit desperate, as I mentioned before, because Gossip's got it here. The Raiders are keen on Robbie Farrar. Talks are underway, and Ricky Stewart is also keen on Jackson Hastings. So it seems like he's almost I mean, looking he's a little bit desperation at a stage, mid-season capitulation before it's even begun to right. try and get in some new spine players around that forward pack. So uh, Interesting. Crazy to think that... I'd probably rather Kelly. I'd rather get Albert gonna, Kelly. Whether are going to get Kelly out of there, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, to, that that would mean that the club, um, I think he's with Hull, isn't he? FC. They're oh, so transfer fee a couple of years. Yeah, they're going to have to pay a bit to get him out of there. Well, I'd have to assume, and like I said, it's kind of just scary to think that a couple of years ago they're talking, we've got the future outside, we've built this up, everyone's getting these long-term extensions, and all of a sudden now, bar Hodgson, you've got Whiten, who's possibly in trouble, and you don't know what's going to happen there, but your two halves that you thought we were going to be taking you forward could be gone from the club by the end of the season as well. So uh, their spine could almost be obliterated bar one position, being the yeah. nine, and he's coming off a major injury. So crazy how things work in rugby league. But moving on now to our betting and tips segment brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Look out for the link on our page, but with the Pro, uh, the Pro Sports Syndicate, there's an offer for all our listeners out there and any fans of rugby league. You get your first month. For $99, these are professional gamblers. They do this for a living. They make money off punting full-time. They are analysts. I wish I was that smart. But $99 for your first month. Uh, if those tips do not produce a percentage profit, you get your next month free. So not a bad deal for anyone out there who is a pretty serious punter on the rugby league box head. No, it's good. I love it. Love a punt. I didn't have a very good weekend uh, over Easter, but... I'll saddle back up. I'll saddle back up. Um, I tried to get on the Titans one to twelve late um, and didn't get the bet on. So I don't think they won thirteen plus anyway, didn't they? I don't know what the score was full time, but oh, and actually, no, I think they won by twelve, didn't they? So yeah, so held him by one. I would have won, but I didn't get the bet on, and that was probably the story of my weekend. Saturday I had a good day on the punt on the horses, but I got one. That's it on the rugby on the league. No good. Yeah, well, the tipping comp this week, gossip. The poor bugger, he only got one. The Dragons. And me and you both got four, so we are equal on 17. And Gossip is now on 13. But the first game to kick off uh, this round, being round five in the NRL, is the Canberra Raiders versus the Bulldogs Boxhead. And looking at these two teams, there's a couple of changes this week. Josh Papali has been dropped. He is in Jersey 21. Will he be a late inclusion? No idea whether that will be the case, but there's been a few changes there. Liam Knight returns to the 17. Luke Bateman moves to lock and Elliot Whitehead into the back row. On the Bulldogs side of things, Aiden Tolman is out. He had a bad ankle injury last week. Adam Elliott moves into start and Kerrod Holland is under the bench, which for me is just strange that you're carrying Well, is Moses and Bayer not going to play? Well, that's probably why he's there, but you could have had him in the 18. You don't have to have him inside the 17. And Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what's going on there. but a glaring one for me. This is a really hard one, I think, to pick. Out of these two teams. I'm going Canberra. It's in Canberra. I don't like the Bulldogs. And I think the Cam... Well, I don't like the Bulldogs' attack at the moment. I don't think they've got enough points in them. Whereas I think the Raiders are going to be able to produce probably three or four tries. I'm not sure the Dogs have got that many in them. Well, the part for me that would make the difference, and I have to have a roll of it now, is if Mbai is playing. And from what I've seen so far, given how poor Canberra's been, I'd probably go the Bulldogs. And I've written that down. But now you've brought up the Carrot Holland thing on the bench, so I'm starting to question... 
whether that might be why he's got him there. So I'll backflip on that one. The Raiders are at home. They're desperate, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Dogs won. And Gossett, he's with us on that one as well. He's also on the Raiders and the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.75 for the Raiders, two ten for the Dogs, minus two is the line. 1 to 12 is 320 for the Raiders, 350 for the Dogs, 13 plus 350 for the Raiders, and 475 for the Dogs. The Roosters versus Cronulla at Shark Pass. It's a hell of a uh, Shark Park. It's a hell of a place to go to. Josh Dugan returns. He's been named at fullback. So Holmes goes back to the wing. Edric Lee is out of the side. Matt Moylan returns also at 5'8. So Trent Hodkinson is also out of the side. On the Roosters side of things, they are unchanged despite going down 30 to 16. The one that's got me puzzled is Reese Robinson has been terrible the first few weeks and his hands have been awful. I know they've got some injuries with Tupo and I think the young guy, Bernard Lewis, who's a winger, getting hurt. But I'm at the point with them where I'd honestly put Orbison back in the centres just not to have Reese Robinson on that wing because they were bombing him and he was dropping everything. Well, I don't care who's on the so, wing. I'm going to tip the Sharks at the prison. Uh, the Roosters, they're a bit clunky at the moment. Well, I was very tempted again, mainly because it was at the prison, but as soon as I saw they made those changes to the spine again, they've been a little bit clunky in that regard. So I'm going to go the Roosters to bounce back, but not with a whole lot of confidence. Mr. Gossip, he also agrees. He's gone with the Roosters, and they are the favourites, even after at Shark Park. So a bit of value there, Brock, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. What logic is behind that? I don't know. Two ten for the Sharks. The Roosters, $1.75. Minus two is the line. One to twelve, three thirty for the sharks. Three dollars for the roosters. Thirteen plus five dollars for the sharks. Four dollars for the roosters. The dragons versus South Sydney. It's uh, a bit of a shorter turnaround for the dragons in this one. It's at Jubilee and Cogra. They are unchanged. It's the same thing they do every week. Sellers in seventeen. Lattimore's in eighteen. Even though Lattimore's played all games but one. On the south side of things, sure enough, Adam Reynolds. He's set to return. Dway, he is on the bench, so he's taken that utility role. And Dane Gagai has gone to the wing and Heimel Hunt into the centres and Braden Burns is out of the side. Boxhead, I'm sticking with the Dragons. Dragons. From what I've seen so far. Gossips. But I think they're going to lose one soon and it wouldn't surprise me if it's this one. It's a big derby. So they had a plate of cracker uh, charity shield in, in Mudgee. So if they can reproduce... Something similar, it's going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, well, we're all on the Dragons. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.33 for the Dragons, three thirty-five for South. Minus 9.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Dragons, $3, four seventy-five for South. 13 plus Dragons, two twenty-five, eight fifty for South. I'll take the points with South. Yeah, I don't, half, I don't mind the, the start. But, uh, Storm versus the Tigers, the first of a doubleheader over there at Mount Smart Stadium. Looking forward to watching this doubleheader, actually. Uh, the Tigers unchanged, and why would you be surprised? They've played outstanding football so far. Uh, and then on Melbourne side of things, young Tonamapaya is in the centres to replace Will Chambers, who's suspended. Kenny Bromwich comes in at lock for Dale Finucane, who is suspended for a week but has also broken his thumb. They've got Felice in the reserves, so he's not a sure thing to play. I'd love to say that Melbourne wouldn't bounce back, but I'm going to tip the Tigers. I'm tipping Melbourne just because... I think they're going to win more than they lose. And they've already lost two this year. So, And I think Craig Bellamy would have tore shreds off them uh, after Thursday night. He didn't, he didn't bag the refs at all. He bagged the hell out of his team. So yeah, put all the accountability him. on them. And I think they've had a long turnaround and they'll be ready to go. There's a lot of guys going home here or looking forward to probably playing back overseas. So I think that'll make for a very interesting game. Madalino, Packer. Mm. Uh, Monday got- to Saturday for the Tigers isn't easy, so... 
Yeah, well, it is a hard ask, but Melbourne have gone Friday to um, the following Saturday. So got a bit of time to turn things around, and they agree with you. And so does Gossip. He's on the Storm, but with a pro sport, a sports syndicate, a dollar forty favorite are the Storms. Three dollars about the Tigers. Seven and a half is the start. One to twelve Storm. Three dollars. Four dollars the Tigers. Thirteen plus Storm. Two sixty. Eight dollars for the Tigers. The second one there is the Warriors at home. Against the Cowboys, they have Sean Johnson returning to the side here, and they've got Simon Mannering, who also returns to the side, along with Sam Lasone. So uh, they're just getting stronger, the Warriors, and returning back home. On the Cowboys side of things, Bolton starts McLean, who's obviously going to be out, and Corey Jensen goes onto the bench. In this one, I've got no hesitation. I'm tipping the Warriors. Warriors. They've won three in Australia so far and get to go home and get a couple of players back. Mm. Uh, they should be riding high, that's for sure. Yeah, but I expect the Cowboys to fight really hard. Well, the way their forward pack's been playing, I think they're in for a real hard week. If there's any week they need to stand up, this is it, because the Warriors have been four. one of the best forward packs I've seen so far. So, And I think the $1.91 flutters the Cowboys, not the Warriors. 100%. And those odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, Mr. Gossip, he is also... Oh, sorry, no, he's going against us. He's on the Cowboys. But this is a pick'em game, $1.91 a piece. Mm. Minus one and a half is the line. Both 1 to 12 is 320. 13 plus both are 425. Newcastle versus the Broncos. This is an awkward one because Newcastle won those first two games nice and tight. Had a bit of a reality check the last two weeks against two quality sides. The Broncos could easily be 0 and 4. Um, honestly, think that they've been very, very flat, not getting much out of their halves. But Corey Oates, he returns on the wing. Penguin Jr. is a chance. He's in the reserves. That would be a big in, but if he's not healthy, that doesn't help. Uh, Moga shattering that he's done his ACL but Nathan Ross moves to the centres CO comes on to the wing uh, it's back at Mac Jones Stadium they're usually good when they're at home I still honestly like more what I've seen of Newcastle early doors so I'm tipping the Knights yeah me too me too my friend I think uh, Gossip might be going the reverse jinx for Papa Gossip he's tipped the Broncos to get the job done up there mm. at McDonald Jones Stadium, but see what happens in that one. And the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, is also pick them. It's a dollar ninety-one a piece. The bookies can't separate them. Minus one and a half the line. One to twelve, three twenty a piece. Thirteen plus four twenty-five a piece. Titans Manly. This would have been a cracker game if they didn't have these injuries, because these are two teams that really like to spin the football. And sunny Sunday afternoon, Marley Brown Oval. I don't know. Whereabouts that is, you know what that one is? I know they have yeah, to move it's around. In, um, sorry, it's in Gladstone. Yeah, I know they have to move around because obviously the Commonwealth Games is on at the moment, but uh, with Tom Trevojevic missing from this one and then losing two guys that they were using uh, off, well, Curtis Sirian's been great and Tanganara as well, it brings some changes for their side. But Dylan Walker has returned in the centres. That pushes Brad Parker onto the wing. Matt Wright has moved back to fullback for Manly. Frank Winnerstein comes from being out in the cold to starting in the back row and on the bench uh, what the hell if somehow oh, I think it's because it's a short turnaround they've still named Kalepi Tanganal even though he's not going to be playing as he's got written in here but Lewis Brown uh, is very likely to probably come in or Tawafawa Sipley and there's also Tanya Paseka, the young talented front row who was at the Tigers who's been at Manly possible to debut so there's definitely going to be a change there because they've just named this lineup, uh, mm-hmm. obviously after the weekend Titans on your side of things, they're unchanged. They've just uh, shuffled the forward pack a little bit there. So with those injuries, I'm going to go the Titans. Mm, tough one. I'm going to go Manly. I think Manly's got a better forward pack, and I want to reverse jinx my own team, see if it works. Well, it's worked pretty well for me so far, so I can't blame you. Mr. Gossip, he is also on the Titans, and with the Pro Sports Syndicate, 217 uh, the Titans, $1.70. 
for Manly, minus two and a half the line. One to twelve is three twenty-five for Manly, three eighty-five for the Titans. Thirteen plus for Manly, three thirty-four sixty-five for the Titans. Last game of the round, the repeat of round one, the Parramatta Eels versus the Penrith Panthers, and how things have differed after four games of what you would have expected before the season kicked off. The Panthers, no surprises here. They are unchanged. Uh, their lineup. The only difference is Fisher Harris has been swapped to lock with Marin to prop. I don't have any problem with that. It's basically the same job. And on the Parramatta side of things, with a few signs of life from last week, Arthur has chosen to go with the same team, except Kaiser Pritchard, but obviously they need to go through the concussion protocol. How do they keep letting him on a football field? He gets yeah. knocked out every time he goes on the football field. It's pretty hard to watch, let's put it that way. I think this one's pretty straightforward. There's nothing that can make me tip the eels from what I've seen so far. No, and $2.35 flat as the eels. 100%, and that is the odds. The Pro Sports Syndicate, eels two thirty-five. Penrith $1.60, minus 3.5 the line, Three fifty one to 12 for Parramatta, $3 for Penrith, 13 plus $5 for Parramatta. 360 for the Panthers. Mr. Gossett tipped the Eels. Reverse jinx. He's gone the re- Everyone's gone the reverse jinx this round. So. Oh, look, I, I can see why, because I thought Parramatta played fairly well in that last 20 minutes. Maybe the Tigers played them into a bit of form. They're 0-4. They probably need to win more than what Penrith do. I get the logic behind it, but I, I can't tip Parramatta until I see I something. can't see their forward pack beating Penrith. That's the main thing. In the middle, the middles are so bad. Penrith were just savage last week. And the Cowboys are one of these packs I looked at and I thought... I don't think Penrith like playing at ANZ Stadium. They don't have a great record from memory at ANZ Stadium. Every time they play there, they tend to get beat. I don't know. I'd like that. to know their I've, record. I've watched them beat the Bulldogs multiple times at ANZ well, Stadium the last by, few years. They got so. beat by the Bulldogs this year at ANZ. I'd like to see their record at ANZ Stadium, Penrith. Isn't, anyone, like, isn't it the last couple of years? anyone knows, it inboxes. So I, I reckon they struggle there. Yeah, fair enough. Our charity bet last week obviously went ass up because we liked the Cowboys at home and luckily we dodged a bullet there. That one didn't get put on uh, in time. But then the second one we had was the Storm and they were obviously awful against the Sharks. The other two legs would have got up from memory. Actually, no, they wouldn't have. The Roosters won as well. No, the Roosters lost as well. So last week's charity bet wasn't actually a fizz out. Yep. As far as the multi. This week, I like the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors right. in New Zealand at $1.91 and Penrith at $1.60 or two that appealed to me straight away to be honest. So they'll be ones that we'll have to consider. But again, yeah. we have to have a big thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate for coming on board this year and taking over that charity bet. They didn't need to do so, but they have done so. A massive thanks to them. Still got to think about what charity we want to have on board this year. So if you've got any suggestions, as we've done in previous years, through. feel free to fire them through. Um, and yeah, don't forget, if you're interested in the punt and you like having a punt like us, have a look at that offer. $99 for your first month from the Pro Sports Syndicate. If you do not get a return on the tips as far as the percentage is concerned, you get the next month for free. So a big thanks to them and all our other sponsors. And that wraps us up for another week here on the fifth and last NRL podcast. And what a strange first four weeks it has been to the NRL season, but all the more better we are for it being so unpredictable. Hopefully there's plenty more twists and turns left in the tail before another Big round of Rugby League. A big thanks to all those sponsors that I just mentioned before. Penrith Solar Centre, make sure you get onto them if you're looking to help your bills and beat the rates that just keep going up. PokerDeluxe.com.au. Anyone looking for a fundraiser out there for your club, a guaranteed $1,000 profit. And any tradesmen out there in Sydney, Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. They're the place to go if you need anything for engineering, trade services and everything. They have all the stuff you need. Uh, full big thank you again the Pro Sports Syndicate the Charity Bets coming on board all their tips make sure you get onto that offer and before we finish up last year everyone remember we had the Great Walk Foundation 
as our charity. Uh, they are not going to be our charity again this year. We like to give everybody one turn at a time. So as I said before, if you've got any ideas, uh, anything you recommend, send through some charities. But we still do raise money for them. And obviously, we did that lunch last week at the Pioneer Tavern for the Great Walk Foundation with Mark Geyer and the great Brad Fittler. We had the privilege to interview Freddie Fittler, the next New South Wales coach. He was absolutely outstanding and uh, very confident that he'll do a great job this year for the Blues. But in raising money for the Great Walk Foundation on the day, we did sell two quick live reads to a couple of local businesses from the Penrith area. And the first one of those is Full Spectrum Services. So a big thank you to Mark out there for supporting the Great Walk Foundation. If you're in Sydney and need help with anything to do with Full Spectrum Services, he's the man. They are Western Sydney's leader in pest control, pool fence certification and commercial cleaning. Their service is diverse, but their core values are rock solid. Amazing people, fantastic service and brilliant outcomes. Contact Mark and the team on 0430220263 or on Facebook. Look for Full Spectrum Services and their website, fullspectrumservices.com.au. They cover all bases for your home or for your office. Outstanding service, great people. Thank you to Mark there. And the other one, more so for the ladies, but also the men. They have all bases covered. Insignia, Hair and Day Spa. Amanda and the team there in Penrith on York Road, Unit 14 of 69. Contact them on 47 Award-winning hairdressers, Day Spa, Beauty Salon, Massage and Narrow Parlour. What else could you want? They've got all bases covered. Want to spoil yourself? Then look no further. Insignia has everything sorted for men and women. Treat yourself or your partner to the works and be spoiled by the team at Insignia. They cover every aspect of beauty and relaxation. Insignia here and dayspa.com.au. They do absolutely everything. Sports, massage, remedial. They do men's, women's haircuts, even children. You get your nails done. Just absolutely all sorts there. So a big thank you again, as I said, to Mark and Amanda for supporting the Great Walk Foundation. And everybody out there this week, hope you enjoyed your Easter long weekend with your family and friends. Hopefully your team got a win for you. Back to reality now uh, with the working week. But fingers crossed it's not too painful and everyone can enjoy their week and enjoy their rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.